You're listening to The Next Dimension, Dragon Ball Z presents The Return of Cooler, Super Android 13, Brawly the Legendary Super Saiyan, and Bojack Unbound. 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 I will make this whole planet suffer! Welcome back to the Next Dimension, a Dragon Ball Z podcast. As always, I am your host, Donovan Morgan Grant. As usually and always, uh, I am joined by my co-host, Mr. Jesse Garrett. And uh, for the first time, we're joined by a third co-host, or a third host for the show, my second co-host, I guess. Uh, introducing, or reintroducing, if you listen to episode 23, Mr. Daniel Yarbrough. Hi there. Hello. <laughs> Um, so we are bringing him along because we need a little bit of help because, uh, there are four movies we're going to be talking about today. This is our third movie special, and, uh, we thought we'd bring on Daniel to help discuss these. We're going to be talking about the, uh, Return of Cooler, obviously, as he mentioned, um, some more androids because apparently they weren't enough for the saga, um, a legendary Super Saiyan of some sort, and some guy called Bojack. But before we get into that... How you guys doing? How, how are you doing, Jesse? I know you're um, in between um, spaces right now, but how's it going? I am pretty good, considering. Uh, glad to be on the show. Glad to just watch some good DBZ movies, so I can't complain on that front. Excellent. It's always fun. Excellent. And Mr. Yarbrough, how you been this past month, I guess? Oh, I've been just fine. Uh, yeah, don't know if this... Do you say Happy Halloween to the listeners or uh, Early Thanksgiving? Happy post-Halloween, pre-Thanksgiving cheer, <laughs> I suppose. We are in between holidays in, in America. Uh, let's see. Before we get into the synopsis, obviously, we're going to cover our emails. Um, we have a number of emails, which is, which is excellent. I always, I always encourage those. Uh, Jesse and I shall switch off. I will read the first one, and we'll basically you know, go uh, in between them. Uh, wonderful grammar from the English major. So uh, first off, we shall start. I uh, know. I suppose there's any news concerning Dragon Ball Z. I don't believe there is. I've not heard of anything. I know briefly that um, uh, I read somewhere that they are in the middle of recording Dragon Ball Z Kai's version of uh, the Boo Saga. Um, Sean Schimmel tweeted somewhere. Uh, not that I have Twitter, but I, but I, I've read someone reporting this that uh, they have gotten to the point. Uh, let's see, spoiler free uh, between. Um, they're at the point now before Vegeta's last fight. That's all I'll say about that. But they are actually pretty far along in terms of the fact that like we've not seen Dragon Ball Z Kai do the Buu Saga in Japan. But um, that's all the news I can, I can kind of think off the top of my head. Uh, going from the first email, this is from Mr. Alex Algiera. Hope I'm pronouncing that right. He starts off with, Hey guys! Thank you so much for all the fantastic episodes. I've been listening to the Batman universe for years and really enjoyed hearing you, hearing you, Don, on the various podcasts. I never watched Dragon Ball growing up, but I've had the figures because it was a fad at the time. I love drawing the characters from memory, and they would buy cards and magazines so I would have some reference. I don't think the fad lasted longer than a year, but it was really fun trying to piece together my own story from what I heard from school. I didn't think it was anything other than a mindless fight show. I was really surprised to hear that you, you had a podcast dedicated to the series. 
A lot of your opinions lined up with mine on the Batman Universe podcast, so I thought I'd check this, uh, this one out because of it. I read up on the different dubs and read that Kai ripped apart and was a mockery to the series, and saw tons of vulgarities directed towards it. <laughs> Sweet. Because of that, I tried to get into the original Funimation dub of Dragon Ball Z last December. I really struggled. I had to force myself to get through six episodes, and although I loved the art, I was so bored. I kept trying but couldn't stand the voice acting, the pacing, the dialogue, or the overwhelming music. I just didn't enjoy it. I was really disappointed, but I refused to give up because I figured, why not just, why not just try that watching the terrible Kai? I watched one episode and finished it in four days. I loved it. I had to go right to the Boo Saga because of Dragon Ball Z. I was just going to watch up to the point to catch up to the show, but couldn't wait. Later, I went back on to watch the original series because now that I knew where the series was going, I still had the exact same problems but got through it. Once I got to the Cell Saga, it was awesome. I have to say, I love the filler episodes. My problem with the original Saiyan Saga and the Frieza arcs is that the main story was very padded and I was bored throughout. Watching DBC Kai and the filler episodes of the original series seems to be the perfect way to watch the series. I'm on the fourth time through this year of the entire Dragon Ball series, series in excluding GT, this year now. I absolutely love the series. I've been a huge fan of a lot of things, but nothing has ever been close to what the Batman universe has meant to me. I think I've been a Batman fan from the womb. I preface this now because, after watching Dragon Ball, Goku is now my all-time favorite character. Wow. I love how he inspires almost everyone he meets and he's, his never-ceasing joyful attitude. I absolutely hated the Brawly movie and found the character to represent every misconception I had about the series. We'll get into that. <laughs> After watching Battle of Gods in Japanese, I decided to check out the Brawly movie in Japanese. It bugged me. Why can't I, I can't see why so many people like him. I already really didn't like the movie and despised Brawly, so I figured, why not take a shot? Although I still hate his origin, I like the, mm, the character and now absolutely love the Japanese audio far more than the English. Sorry for writing so much, but I'm such a Dragon Ball. I'm on such a Dragon Ball high. Thank you so much for this podcast. If it wasn't for you guys making it, I would never have checked the series out. It was really funny hearing Jesse's fresh view because he had almost every reaction that I had experienced in the series for the first time. I'm curious to see how he likes the Boo Saga because although it has a lot of problems, it is my favorite. Every time I watched the series, the Boo Saga was my favorite, and I kept going onto YouTube to view it my to view my favorite scenes from it, which I haven't done for any other series other than Breaking Bad and The Simpsons. Although it's not as tightly written as the Cell Saga, it didn't reach the highs it had with the Boo Saga. If it wasn't for the original Dragon Ball series, which is the reason Goku is my favorite character, Vegeta might have been my favorite character through the series. I can objectively look at how much more complex and better written Dark Knight is than Batman Begins, but I still like Batman Begins and even even Nasty the Phantasm more. I agree with people saying that Gohan should have been the lead character, but, but still, despite his flaws, I do love the Boo Saga. Thank you so much, guys. I can't wait for the next episode. Alex. Well, Daniel, looks like you have uh, a rival in terms of length. <laughs> but uh, thank you very much, Alex. Uh, greatly appreciate it, all, as always. Thank you for the kind words. And uh, thank you for listening to, to the Batman universe. Um, although I'm not on the comic cast anymore, I'll still be on some of the other episodes. So uh, thank you for that. And our next email is going to be uh, said from uh, Mr. Dan Almeida. And Jesse, I'll read that out. Hi, guys. I've been a long-time listener, but first-time Z-mailer. To start, you guys rock, and the podcast is great. It must require quite the pair of magical balls to take on such a task. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. Anyway, on to my question. I'm just wondering what you guys thought of the, or think of the spinoff focus on Bardock. Now, hear me out. Though I disagree with the special as a whole, Story of Bardock could make for a decent short series. I could imagine Bardock hopping around from planet to planet, punching people's problems, or heck, <laughs> bringing in time travel and having him leap from era to era. 
possibly bringing in the Toriyama drawn Chrono Trigger into the Dragon Ball universe. <laughs> or that could just stay in my fan fiction. Bardock the Space Bounty Hunter. Space Renegade. Thanks again for a great podcast. Keep it up. So, well, uh, Don, have you, you've seen the episode of Bardock, right? Yeah, I, I've seen it. And um, Have you seen a Daniel episode of Bardock? Uh, yeah, I, th- I believe so. I know I, I read it, or I read the manga, and I think I saw it. I know I saw clips of it, at least. Um, what were your general thoughts of it, you know, kind of just like overall? Uh, I, I like the attempt, but I really, the story just was not what, I would hope for in Dragon Ball Z and I, you know, or continuation of it. And I, I think, uh, with this, uh, this emailers idea of, uh, conti- I can see the point of, uh, it would make a good way to kind of spin off Dragon Ball Z, but it would definitely need better writing to try and fix some of the plot holes that it created. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 it. It digs some proc holes, like, with a large-ass shovel. Consensus is kind of... It, it's good potential, but kind of wasted. Or floundered. A little yeah. bit, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I like the character of Bardock. Uh, it's interesting, because like, like, that, that special, which we'll get onto much later on, obviously, but, like, that special kind of makes him out to be a bit of an anti-hero. And it's weird, because the character... Although he was a, the protagonist in, his, in the original uh, History of Bardock movie... He's supposed to be a bad guy, so I don't know. I'm I'm kind of in two minds. I would, I'm not against seeing more of him, but like I don't want to see. I don't think I want to see any more that adds on to the continuity of of the episode of Bardock. So I guess um, I would take half of uh, Dan's idea and, and make something out of it. Just one quick thing. It's just uh, interesting their uh, time travel notion because that's kind of what they did with the uh, Dragon Ball Online universe story because they brought. Bardock back into that and kind of had him skipping around time and fighting. He'd just pop up in different places, from what I understand. Really? Yeah. Okay. Wasn't that only uh, in Japan? Dragon Ball. I, I think it was. In, I, I'm not even sure it was in Japan. I think it was in uh, uh, was it Korea or something. Actually, like they only tested it. I don't think it got very far. Okay. Like, like sadly, because it sounded really interesting. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm if we're talking, talking about, about this. Art designs for that, correct? Yes. Oh, maybe we did talk about this. Yeah, the Dragon Ball Online RPG. Yeah, where where you can kind of like you know have more like uh, Majin characters, Saiyan characters, Namekian characters, kind of make up your own characters. Yeah. Yeah. From from what I remember reading on Bardock's part of it, like he he showed up as like a mysterious masked character working for the bad guy, and then you free him, and he basically wanders time after that. Really? Yeah. <laughs> He's a Highlander. <laughs> wow, that actually sounds actually very interesting. I'd like to, I'd like to check that out. Starring Bardock. <laughs> Each jump is the jump closer to home to destroyed Vegeta. <laughs> wow. That that actually that actually that actually sounds intriguing. Like I could, okay. And that was made before episode of Bardock came out, I believe, so that I might be down to check that out. We we don't get a chance to talk a lot about the video game, so maybe we'll have to do that sometime later on. Um, but from one tangent to another, our next email is from Mr. Alex Evangeli. He writes, Dear Don and Jesse, hope you guys are doing well. I really enjoyed the discussions you had on the call-in show and would like to thank you guys for reading out my email. Since I couldn't make it to the call-in show, I'd like to ask a few questions, if I would, if that's cool. Number one, what are your guys' favorite songs from the various incarnations of the series? For me, it would have to be Dragon Soul, the opening to Dragon Ball Kai. Um... 
Jesse, do you have any favorite uh, themes you've heard from the show? So, I know the English versions kind of take out the Japanese songs, but like any sort of uh, songs they play at the beginning or end or whenever. Uh, I'll tell you which one is least favorite. <laughs> I might have an idea, but go ahead. Anything by Disturbed. Right. Anything basically you, you might find in movie four, five, and or eight. <laughs> um, I do enjoy the Kai theme. Mm-hmm. And also the theme that played during the movies we watched. Uh, it was different. Um, I'm not sure what what dub theme that is, or if that's something unique to the movies. But I enjoyed that one. I thought that was a, a nice different approach, different than what we've gotten so far from Kai. You mean? Are you meaning like, because um, with these movies, they use the, the Chala, Head Chala animation. With like Goku and Gohan riding on the Nimbus... That kind of like uh, inst- instrument. Yeah, it looked thing. like it was it was similar. It was similar animation, but yeah, it was uh, right. It was instrumental. There were no vocals to it. Right. Yeah. It was, it was that. Yeah. That's a, that's a Funimation. That's like their Funimation secondary theme. I've, I've made a note of that because they don't use that in the series, but in the movies they kind of play that up. You hear a lot of that in movie six. Um, what about you, Daniel? Um, I really couldn't pick a favorite. Uh, I I like a lot of them. Uh, uh surprise. I think. Uh, the GT opening was always one I really enjoyed. The Dan Dan something. Oh, uh, not 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 the the rap song "Take It to the Grand Tour." No, 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 no. no. <laughs> oh. If I ever get pissed off at Jesse, I'll, I'll make him listen to that. How, how oh, could you, you, you? They took the one thing from GT that was good, which was its music, and took it away. Oh, it is it is god awful. Oh, uh, I, I interrupted you. Go ahead. Uh, uh, no, that's all right. Uh, but uh, other than that, I mean, pretty much all the music I enjoy on one level or another. Uh, I, I am more of a fan, I think, of the the Japanese original music than the uh, instrumental stuff that like uh, Funimation would put in, uh, because most of the time it just got really repetitive, and mm-hmm. uh, after a while, like you're wondering, do they hear music in every moment, like when they're in the bathroom or something? Is, yeah. It's just nonstop. Yeah, that's. I actually have a note about some of these, uh, some of that in these movies. Um, personally, like, I think my favorite theme is, is that, you know, Chala Head Chala is the, is the Japanese theme for Dragon Ball Z, and then until they get to the Buddha Saga, then they change it up. Um, I really enjoy Spirit versus Spirit, which is the theme they play when the Japanese theme that plays when Gohan goes Super Saiyan two. Um, it's in episode twenty one. I, I play. I try to get that as much about that song in there as, as possible because I really love it. Um, and I believe in Dragon Ball Z Raging Blast, which is another game I've not played, they actually have a jazz version of it <laughs> whenever Gohan sells as a character, which is kind of cool. Um, I, I like I like the Bruce Falconer so- uh, soundtrack, or some of the themes. I like, I really like Android 16's theme. Um, I really like uh, Gohan's theme, uh, which plays later on, a Super Saiyan 2 theme. Uh, I know people really love Goku's Super Saiyan 3 theme later on. Um, I think it's okay. It's not one of my favorites, but I enjoy it. And like some of some of the character themes, like uh, the Ginyu Force theme and the Dragon theme, I think are pretty cool. Um, I may I may have played those um, in the background, but um, yeah, I mean I, I, I like the Japanese stuff. Kind of comes off better than the English stuff, and obviously they're a lot more better than like the hired punk rock bands the, that they get for the movies. But we'll get into that a bit later. Um, Alex has some more questions. He asks, "What is the most brutal scene in the series or the movies for you guys thus far?" Mine would either be Nappa punching off Tien's arm, or the moment from the Super Android 13 movie. You know the one. <laughs> I think I might. Uh, what do you guys think? Ooh, that's far. Right. Uh, 
Probably Krillin getting impaled by Frieza. <laughs> that was that was nasty. Yeah, I remember that. Just just like how they they kind of focused on it, and yeah, like like just stopped and made sure, hey, he's impaled. You know this. It was very visceral. Right, and like the blood dripping down his face. Yeah, that was that was that was pretty brutal. What about you, you, uh, Daniel? Um, not really sure. Uh, I uh, not for its violence, but I think uh, probably when uh, Goku does his uh, instant transmission uh, Kamehameha on uh, Cell and oh, just yes. blows him up is always a. That's more of a you know kick-ass violent moment. <laughs> Right, and I always enjoy that. <laughs> that's and one of yeah, uh, I have another one that's it's not particularly bloody, but just the whole scene of Gohan fighting with one arm. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, it yeah. kind of hits home how much damage his body has taken at that point. That this limb is completely useless. You're talking about um, Super Saiyan two Gohan, not future Gohan, because I actually was like thinking which one. You oh mean. yeah, I'm sorry, not not future Gohan that loses the arm. Right when uh, yeah it's when he when he too. just had a limp arm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It occurred to me how how that that didn't end. Up, that didn't mean to be confusing, but it ended up being confusing. <laughs> mm, yeah. Uh. Let's see. Um. There are a couple. Of, I like. I've here's a preview for the for these reviews. I've I've made a list of like I made a a counter for how many times someone gets punched in the chest, because that happens like over and over and over again in these movies, which I enjoy. Um. Let's see. I like. In terms of violence, uh, I kind of like Frieza getting cut in half because it's so unexpected. And I, I said before in the manga, you can actually see like his organs plopping out of his body, <laughs> which is awful. Uh, I do like when Goku blows off uh, Cell's head. That's one of my favorite bits ever. Uh, let's see, let's see, let's see. Um, I like uh, 18 breaking Vegeta's arm. <laughs> shutting him up after he was like talking for like five episodes straight. I like when the Cell... There's a moment in the Cell Games battle where the Cell Jr. like takes Yamcha's arm and like just snaps the forearm <laughs> and it looks like a xylophone. <laughs> it's, it's so scrunched up. Oh, that's kind of cool. Um, there's so many violent moments in the movies that it's kind of hard for me to keep straight. Uh, I might have to come back to this later on whenever like we kind of look back on the series. Um, but yeah, there, there are a ton of them that I enjoy. There's not many that I don't enjoy. I'd like to uh, tangent us and go back to uh, just a couple points of what we were talking about earlier that just popped in my head randomly. Go ahead. Uh, one, in the episode of Bardock special, was he voiced by the same person who voiced him in the uh, history of Bardock? Um, I don't know if there's, they've done an English dub of that yet. They pro- no, Maza, the, Mazako Nawaza, who voices Goku, Gohan, and everyone else with the first uh, prefix of the word Go, uh, voices him. So, and I believe that she voiced him for that one. Uh, in the in the games, I think they may have adapted that for the games. I think the same guy voices it, but I'm not. Sh- I think Sonny Straight, who voices Krillin, voices him. Um, so I may- maybe like when they dub that, he'll voice Bardock uh, as well. Okay. Also, yeah, and uh, I've been trying to get a, some a hold of some of the games for a while now. They hold their value very well. They're still relatively expensive. You can get the really? uh, I think the Budokai collection. But it's still like thirty or forty bucks. And that's for the PS2, right? Yeah, they uh, remastered them and made them for the PS3 and the Xbox 360. Okay, Granted, it's three games, so it's pretty good value. But yeah, they're still still fairly expensive for older games. Because yeah, I remember when I got Budokai One, 
uh, back in 2003. God, 10 years ago. <laughs> and, um, you know, it, like, it was your, it was a new game at the time, but, like, even, it's, that's a, that's a decade-old game now. Like, the PlayStation 2 is not that, uh, not that new of a system, and now they're coming out with PS4, so, that's interesting to me, because they're kind of popping out these, uh, Dragon Ball games really quickly. I remember, I saw the commercial for, I think it's Dragon Ball Heroes, and they really hyped it up, like, this is the first Dragon Ball Z game in two years! And I'm like, so? It's like, you guys aren't exactly shy about these. So that's 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 kind of interesting. Uh, number three, he has five questions. This is the third one. Alex asks, will you guys be covering filler episodes apart from the pure filler arcs? Uh, ergo, there, were a, there was a filler episode before the Cell Games where Goku and Chi-Chi have flashbacks about Gohan that I'd love to hear your thoughts on. I've not really considered it uh we did talk about some uh when chunks came back um possibly i'm not really considered it to be honest although if you'd like to hear our thoughts on them maybe, maybe if anybody would like to hear thoughts on particular episodes maybe you can email in we can like kind of take a look at them briefly um uh hmm, that, might, that might be kind of interesting uh number four in my last email i explained the screwed up broadcast history of the series in the uk I was just wondering what it was like in the U.S. Did you guys get Dragon Ball GT uh, as it happened here? Were the movies broadcast after the whole series had been released? Um, as far as I'm aware, as far as I remember, uh, movies 4 through 12 didn't start... They didn't start being in production until the Funimation dub took over. And they, they, they came out uh, in DVD first. And then Toonami eventually aired them. Although I wasn't watching Dragon Ball Z at the time when they kind of aired the movies on television. I, I had kind of like moved on because I'd seen the series by that point. So I'm not exactly sure, and I'm pretty sure, I know that GT came out after Dragon Ball Z had wrapped up on, on air, on, on broadcast, I think that's what happened. So I don't, I don't think there was any, I don't think it was as screwed up as it was in the UK where like, they would like, switch back and forth between dubs, I and mean, we, we always had the Funimation dub, and if you want to see like, was the ocean GT dub. Was broadcast on air here? See what? Was, was GT broadcast on TV here? Yeah, Toonami did show it. Uh, it was back when Toonami uh, was on weekends. I remember them showing like Yu Hakusho, Show, Justice League Unlimited, and Dragon Ball GT. And I would catch the odd episode here or there. Um, but like it wasn't it wasn't like Dragon Ball Z where Dragon Ball Z was shown like, you know, weekdays after school where you could like. Yeah, because I don't have any memory of GT being uh, shown. Of course it could have been after my Toonami viewing experience. I was just uh, I was under the impression that it was only released on like D V D. Well, I, I do remember when it was first dubbed, it would be released on D V D first. As sort of like a lead-in, and then uh, once the DVDs were on sale, the television shows would air them. Like I remember, um, I remember the Android Saga being readily available on DVD, like a, about two months before it aired on television. But for some reason, I just I just wanted to see it on TV. <laughs> there's there's a certain there's a certain anticipation when you see it, like episode episode five days a week. Um, although I do, I do remember one of the box art had 18 kissing Krillin, and I was like, is she going to eat him? But, um, yeah, GT did air on television. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure they probably aired the entire series because it is the shortest series out of Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z uh, with only 64 episodes. But I know it, it aired uh, at one point on the weekends uh, on Toonami. Yeah, they, they did air it all. Uh, I think they had cut like the first couple of episodes and I remember them coming back later with like the lost episodes of That's Dragon Ball That's right. GT. That's right. Yeah, they because the first few episodes are them trying to find the Black Star Dragon Balls, and then like after that, it becomes like more Dragon Ball Z esque with them fighting supervillains. I had for, yeah. So I, I guess I'm wrong. No, no, yeah, because like they they did cut out those episodes and they had to show them afterwards. Although did they show the did they show those quote unquote lost episodes on on air? Daniel, do you know? Yeah, they showed them because that's where they got dubbed the lost episodes. <laughs> 
whatever. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I guess explaining explaining it again to uh, Alex, they did cut out. I guess it's like their first ten episodes or whatever of GT, and then they aired like, oh no, it's baby, watch out, whatever. Um, and his final question is. Um, my big question that I was going to ask was, since you guys are both familiar with Western combo characters, who would the DBZ cast be if they were characters from Marvel or DC Comics? Obviously, Goku and Superman are an easy comparison, but besides that, I can only think of Piccolo as a bit similar to Batman to, due to their strategic minds, as well as their badass capes and pointy ears. And that an upcoming villain is, I won't spoil, similar to Carnage. Interesting. Um... Jesse, who would you say compares to the the Z fighters or the Z characters? Like who who is Marvel or DC's equivalent to Krillin or Yamcha or Roshi? <laughs> um... Yamcha would be D Man. D Man. D Man. Who is D Man? From the exactly. Avengers. Is he an Avengers character? Yeah, he was an Avenger technically. I have no clue. He, he looked like Wolverine with a big D on his chest. Oh, that guy! Oh, 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 yeah, yeah. Now I, uh, I know what you mean now. Yeah, it threw me off. He has, like, the... Does he have, like the, like, the original Daredevil costume with the yellow... Yeah. Oh, him. Yeah. Okay, okay, I got it. He's a laughing stock. Wow. <laughs> That's how much Yamcha sucks. He's a character I forgot about in the Marvel Universe. I, I always made uh, comparisons of Gohan to... Um, uh, either Spider-Man or Nightwing. Okay. I can kind of see... I, I, can, I can see older Gohan in the boost. I can, I can kind of see as, as a Nightwing comparison. But uh, I can see that, yeah. Yeah. That's the best I got. I, I, yeah, I'm doing this on the fly. Brr, uh, I can see the Piccolo and Batman comparisons. I've seen a lot of people compare Vegeta to Wolverine. Uh, back in the day, especially. like a lot of people, There would be a lot of Vegeta versus Wolverine topics on online. I'm like, are you crazy? <laughs> it's no contest. But um, I guess like the attitude uh, and the funky I hair. I can't see that. Because Wolverine is inherently a good guy, and Vegeta isn't really Vegeta. all that good. Right. Yeah, Vegeta, Vegeta has nobility to him. Where Vegeta, uh, or, Vegeta, Wolverine does. Wolverine has like a samurai nobility to him. Whereas Vegeta, and we'll, and we'll get to Vegeta's character development later on. But like uh, two thirds of the series, he is a dick. So <laughs> what are you gonna do? Uh, yeah, he just has the gruff exterior. I think with Vegeta, it's much deeper than that. You know what? This is. I'm not gonna get to Spider-Man politics now. But I think that like the way Spider-Man's been written lately, he's been a lot closer to Krillin than Gohan. Uh, especially in, like, team books. Like, if he's in the Avengers or in the Fantastic Four, he'll, t- he'll come off as, like, the Krillin of the team. He just kind of, like, lays off one-liners and gets his ass kicked. So, uh, there's an unfortunate, uh, opinion from Donovan Morgan Grant. Who, who would, uh, who would Master Roshi be? Gah. Who's, a, who's an old pervert from, um, Marvel or DC? Uh, I'm trying to think. Because uh, they, they don't tend to have a lot of those... Uh, it's a different culture. <laughs> like, exactly, like, it's a different culture. So that's what makes it interesting. Yeah, you can't have Kirby enough to be worthy of Master Roshi. Worthy, or, yeah, exactly. Uh, I can't. I don't know. <sighs> Who's been with a lot of people? Uh, we have Wolverine. She Hulk. She Hulk is Master Roshi. Oh, uh, God. Uh, uh, Hal Jordan. I don't know. I'll give you that. Yeah. Especially like 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 in the eighties when he had like the graying hair and he was with a character who was technically a teenager. I'll roll with that. Mm. Yeah. If you have any more thoughts on uh, Marvel and DC uh, alternatives, listeners, email in at dbznextdimensionhotmail.com. <laughs> this is an, this is a, a fun topic we can think of. Um, absolutely. Uh, well, we're gonna get some emails. People are gonna be like this and this, and we're gonna be like, duh. 
Yeah, for real. That's it's, it's actually a lot more obvious. I'm thinking. I'm sure Screw Attack will have uh, fight uh, death battles for the, for that. Um, uh, Alex finishes off. That's all for now. I look forward to hearing your thoughts covering the last batch of movies in the Boot Saga. Regards, Alex Evangeli. I hope I'm pronouncing that last name correctly. Thank you very much, Alex. Um, our next email is from a female. Uh, this is from um, someone named Simone, and Jesse started read out her email. Should, should I do this in a female voice, or would that be highly offensive? Uh, well, <laughs> we won't even know until she responds afterwards, so uh, <laughs> go go with your heart. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> hey, boys. Yeah, I, I can't. Yeah, <laughs> you, you chose on the right side of Valor there. <laughs> hey, boys. So I wanted to chime in and give us guys of the DBZ world a voice, because there just aren't enough of us. I'm still pretty new to the show. But I'm starting to marathon through episodes whenever I can will myself to stop re-listening to my favorites. It's exactly what I was looking for when I started my search. In regards to flying, I think the better question is, isn't when did Goku learn to fly, but when did Gohan? It would have been nice to have a little bit of filler in the Saiyan saga to address this. I figured Piccolo just dropped him off a cliff a couple of times till he got it right. What do you guys think? <laughs> that's now, that's not I'm unlikely. about the movies. Uh... Do we want to talk about this section later, or... Well, we, we can read this off now. It's okay. Uh, I do want to hit up the flying thing before we jump into that. Um, Go ahead. I kind of got the impression from the very beginning of the Saiyan Saga, when he busts out of the capsule, and he kind of floats there for a moment. Um, you can kind of see that the ability was already there. Mm-hmm. So, I, I just kind of took it in stride that he learned how, uh, how to. Um, yeah, I mean, there, there was, like... He was sort of, like, in his berserker mode, where, like, he... You remember, like, whenever he got angry, he wouldn't remember what he did before. So I think it, it was, it, it was like, it was always like sort of a latent ability he had. But I think Piccolo just kind of punched it out of him. <laughs> yeah, I think he just, as he became be able to control more of his abilities, he was able to kind of, kind of harness it. I do think it's interesting that the intro shows Goku on the flying Nimbus every episode, and he hasn't used it in how long? He he's not used it since like he came back to life when when he gets uh, the Saiyan Saga. I guess uh, uh, Nappa and Vegeta, like he's not, he's always like phone. Like at the beginning of the Android Saga, he Piccolo and Krill, uh, Gohan and Krillin all just fly there. So he's yeah. So. Oh no, I was just gonna say. Actually, think about. It. I have to rewatch it, but I'm kind of thinking, did Gohan even fly during the fight with the Saiyans? Did he actually? Wasn't he just on the ground the whole time? Like, did he not fly until they get to Namek? I'm. I remember when um when Goku was wanting to fight Vegeta, and he told. Uh, Krillin and Gohan to, to to scram. Gohan was flying then. That's right. Okay, yeah. But like, it's sort of like because Gohan. Go, I remember uh, when uh, Vegeta kills Nappa. Goku grabs Krillin and Gohan, and he flies in the air. He grabs them, but then like he lets go of Gohan, and Gohan is floating on his own. So that's, that's to my knowledge the first time we see him fly. I believe. I don't remember of any filler that that shows otherwise. Okay, so continuing on with the email, Simone states going on about the movies. Now for actually talking about the movies. I've thought a lot about Roly's mental state. Clearly this guy is not normal in our sense of the word, but what do you think caused him to be that way? Goku being dropped in his head turned him good and level-headed. Perhaps anger and frustration had the opposite effect on Broly. In some ways, this could be the explanation for Gohan's power. It just doesn't take hold of him as much because he's half-human. Anyway, fantastic job with the show, guys. It really brightens my day. The only thing I can suggest is perhaps shortening the musical breaks. The DBZ audio is a brilliant idea, and the promos are creative, but sometimes musical interludes drag just a little. 
Just me, like, like yanking my collar. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I mean, that's absolutely something I'll cop to. I'm very, I am admittedly very self-indulgent with the uh, intro and outro themes, because I like listening to them. But I've, I've actually been waiting for to be called on this, because they do kind of run long. I remember the very first episode, I actually kind of cut down the original Chala Head Chala theme, because it's only like a 90-second theme. I could probably play the whole thing now. And other times, I feel if it just kind of fits the mood, I'll, I'll play a theme. But it's, point taken, it is, it is, it can be, I can totally understand how, how it can drag. And I'll try not to put themes in there that are a bit too long, that run longer than a minute and a half. Is that, that might get too, because it shows, the episodes are longer than they, are, than they already are. So um, it does, uh, your mileage may vary on that one, absolutely. So I, I'll, I will throw my hands up and admit that it could be a, little, a bit more discretionary when it comes to the, uh, audio samples yeah and if anyone else has opinions on them let us know uh we like i think we like to take criticism very well and oh it's it's it's, it's an absolutely fair criticism it's, it's not like you know um i don't know you're not you're not pronouncing goku correctly <laughs> it's goku or something like that so it's it's, it's all good it's mr satan yeah exactly which i have heard people say but i, I ignore them <laughs> Anyway, uh, oops, this has turned into a long first email, but feel free to edit it and keep up the good work. I doubt this will be my last email. Cheers, Simone. Uh, no editing needed, and we very much appreciate <laughs> your email and hearing from a female. Oh, God, that rhymed. <laughs> Free bro. Yeah, yeah, thank you very much, Simone. I know she mentioned us on the Facebook page, which was very uh, we were very appreciative of. And I do know that she's not the only uh, female listener, because if uh, the Facebook likes have us have us right, we have a... A number of female uh, listeners. I know um, Diana Renee has mentioned us a, f- a couple of times on um, on our Facebook page. And if she if she's listening right now, feel free to write us in. But it's absolutely, I definitely thank you very much for uh, writing us in. Not not only for, for providing a uh, female perspective on things, but just giving your thoughts in general because it shows that um, uh, our uh, our audience is as diverse as it gets. Um, no, uh, thank you very much, Simona. We hope to hear from you again. Our next email is from Mr. James Moore. James writes, Hello, Don and Jesse. How are you two? I hope you've been very great. I hope you've been very well, and I'm great. Before I get into my questions and comments, I would like to apologize for missing the Colin show. I really wanted to be a part of it, but it was my year anniversary with my girlfriend, so I had to make a choice. Uh, parentheses, it was her. <laughs> well, good job. You, yeah, I, I I can't argue with that, you know. Girlfriend greater than Don and Jesse and Dragon Ball Z. I'm not going to. Absolutely. Anyway, if you have another one, I will definitely be a part of it. But now my questions and comments. I just finished listening to your last episode, and I would like to first say that I agree with Don on how the Boo Saga was good, but not what you would have expected. It's my personal favorite DBZ saga. I do love Majin Buu in DBZ. Um, Blah, 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 blah. (laughs) Spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. Uh, basically, he, he 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 talks about what Boo does in the Boo Saga, which gets into heavy spoilers, but I won't get into that right now. Um, but he says that he, the Boo Saga is his favorite arc, and Boo is his favorite villain. After seeing Battle of Gods, how do you think there could be a possibility of getting more movies, or do you think that will be a one-time thing? Uh, that will be all, guys. I love all the songs that were played throughout the episodes. Great job. I hope you have an awesome Halloween. Thank you. Keep up for the astounding work you always do. And I'll talk to you guys later. Sincerely, your friend, James Moore. Thank you very much, James. Uh, thank you for liking the songs, especially those those two rap songs I put into the Colin show. Because the moment I heard those, I was like, there's no way this is not getting uh, <laughs> put in the show. Uh, so thank you much, very much for that. Our next email is from Mr. Rich Bourne. Don, 
Jesse, what's happening, fellas? Hey. I'm bald, couldn't make it, <laughs> couldn't make the call-in show, but working two jobs sucks. Yes, it does. Mm-hmm. Though, when I'm not making pizzas and hitting on the girls I work with, I sit in my apartment listening to your fine podcast like The Next Dimension and Crawl Space. Surely all these voices in my head are driving me mad. The silence is deafening. <laughs> this guy's on a role model, makes pizzas, hits on women, listens to podcasts. Awesome. Finally, we have the next movie special, which I've been eagerly awaiting. These movies, 6 through 9, come at a pivotal time in the series. Everybody was going Super Saiyan or just powering up in general, yet we have villains who can smack around Super Saiyans like some sort of, like some sort of damn Yamcha. <laughs> Awesome. I appreciate the bigger focus on the films reflecting the current events of the series a bit better. As the films go on, we meet pirates, cyborgs, more cyborgs, instead of instead called androids, and a psychopath who hates whining. These slicks also up the ante when it comes to the action. Everybody gets a moment to shine. Well, except Yamcha. <laughs> and, it, and if you really pay attention, Goku gets his ass beat in all of them, especially the Broly movie. Everybody gets effed up in the Broly movie. <laughs> I think movie six is my favorite since I find Cooler to be a reigning boss. Everything about him is better than his brother, even his Chrome editions. <laughs> this is true. I think that all that's all for this installment, and can't wait to see the next episode. Take it easy and keep keep on keeping on, y'all. Rich Bourne. Thanks, Rich. Thank you very much, Rich. And we'll def- obviously we're going to get into the movie uh, discussion in just a bit. Our final email uh, is from Reginald Barnes. And before I say final email, I will, I will uh, if, Luke, I know you're listening. Uh, we've gotten your emails, and we were going to read out your emails after we cover the movie, so we can kind of like add that sort of addendum opinion to the uh, discussion. So uh, I say our final emails with an asterisk. Um, the final email for now will be uh, from Mr. Reginald Barnes. Reginald writes, Dear Next Dimension, Really looking forward to your discussion on movies 6 through 9 and your thoughts on the soundtrack that was used in movie 8. I had a question for you, Donovan. After listening to the Colin show, I found out that you are a huge fan of DBZ Abridged. My question to you is who is your favorite abridged character and why? Mine is Nappa. Team 4 Star made a minor villain into one of the most popular and funniest characters in the, series, in the whole abridged series. Thanks to TFS, I can't take Nappa seriously anymore whenever I rewatch the Saiyan Saga. My second favorite character would have to be Super Kami Guru. Thanks for reading my Z-mail, and I'm looking forward to the movie discussion. Reginald Barnes. Uh, awesome. Again, DBZ Abridged, done by Team 4 Star. You can find them on YouTube and Team4Star.com, although I've never actually interacted with them. Uh, I want to pimp their stuff because they are really awesome. Yeah, uh, and I've played some of their clips on the show. They are hilarious, and they've, t- they've kind of turned Nappa into like a breakout character. Uh, Daniel, have you seen DBZ Abridged? Uh, yeah, I'm behind on the current season, but I've watched it up till they started the, you know, Android Saga. And, yeah, it's hilarious stuff. I, re- I, re- I really like it. Uh, I think as of this recording, they are, um, I think they're the part where Trunks comes back from the from the, from the the future and says, hey, that's not the Androids. I think they're, they're up to that bit. My favorite character is probably Vegeta because his, I, it, they do a really good Vegeta voice. It sounds a lot like Christopher Sabat, but, like, he has this, like, really sardonic sense of humor. Um, one of my favorite bits is, like, when, um, Krillin and Gohan and Dende summon the Namekian dragon, uh, dragon, and when Vegeta wakes up, he he's like there, and a then I like screaming, "Hey, what's up, guys? What are you doing?" <laughs> he's so pissed off. <laughs> I really, really like that, and just like just in general, like like uh, a lot of the fights in Namek, they I really enjoyed how they did this, like the fight with Zarbon, the fight with Dodoria, and uh, and um, Kui and all those guys. I really, 
Uh, if you guys have not uh, seen it, I, I, I implore you to go uh, listen to them or, or uh, watch their videos. And also, uh, they've, they've adapted up to Movie 5, I know. And I, I really like their um, take on Movie 4 with Lord Slug. They kind of hammered home the idea that like the whole thing was a ripoff of King Piccolo, but uh, I digress. So, what do we do with the third wish? Well, if nobody else has any ideas, I want my three-foot... Hi! What's up, guys? I'm never gonna get my hoagie. So what are you doing? What am I doing? What are you doing? Nothing much. What are my plans? What are your plans? Are you? Yes. I'm gonna f***ing kill you! Oh, and like I said, uh, we will read out uh, Luke's emails once we cover the movies. Um, Daniel, were you gonna pop in to say something? Oh, no, I got nothing. All right, all right. All right, um, we are at the 40-something-odd minute mark. We shall take a brief uh, promo break, and we'll get back. We shall cover the first of the four movies tonight, or today, whenever you listen to this. Uh, the Return of Cooler. The Phantom Zone. Home of Krypton's worst criminals. But what would happen if they escaped and found themselves on a planet whose yellow sun and lighter gravity gave them fantastic superpowers? Especially when they also put Superman in the Phantom Zone in the process. Find out starting October 9th when I, Charlie Niemeyer, cover all four issues of the Phantom Zone miniseries in a special crossover between my two shows, Superman of the Bronze Age and Charlie's Geekcast. It's Kryptonian criminals versus the world's greatest superheroes, while Superman tries to get back to Earth. All this October at supermanofthebronzeage.com charliesgeekcast.com and supermanpodcastnetwork.com That metal freak! I can't even pick myself up and we haven't even put a dent in him! Hey, can you still fight? What? What kind of question is that? Listen, at this rate, we're not going to make it much longer. There's only one way for us to win. We have to combine our powers and attack him at the same time. I don't take orders from you! I thought you'd say that. He's coming. Vegeta, I need your help, please! Just stay out of my way! And we are back! We are first going to cover, uh, for this episode, movie 6... The Return of Cooler, or original uh, title. I don't have the Japanese title, but uh, the original translated title is Clash, 10 Billion Powerful Warriors. Holy crap. That's a lie. It is a lie, absolutely. I thought it was like 10,000 or something, but whatever. What are you going to do? So uh, we start off on this episode. Episode, damn it. We start off on this in this story with... Um, we see Nam- Namek, which we can only assume is uh, new Namek because... The original Namek blew up. We see all the Namekians minding their own business when, when did you know it, they get taken over by an evil warlord again. This this race has terrible luck. As we see uh, a big robotic uh, type of weird uh, oozy machinery kind of just envelop the entire planet and um, basically grab it by the balls. So uh, we cut to Dende, who is the, um, apparently the new uh, guardian of the, of the planet, although... Again, and we'll get to it a little bit later. The timeline's a bit 
funky. But Dende is wearing some new clothes that we've never seen before or since. And he senses his people's plight and just implores Goku and friends to help them out. So at that point, we cut to Goku and um, it's Goku, Krillin, Piccolo, and Gohan in a capsule core spaceship. And for some reason, <laughs> they decided to bring along um, Yajirobe, which, you know, they could do worse. And they do do worse by having uh, Master Roshi and Oolong with them. I say worse. I mean, Master Roshi is a fighter, but <laughs> Oolong is there for no reason. Anyway, I'm already editorializing. So uh, we cut back to New Namek, and we see that the, the people are enslaved. They're not being killed like Frieza, but they are being enslaved. They're kind of just in this sort of like, uh, I don't know, line. And we see a bunch of these gigantic metal uh, metal guards kind of, you know, have them in handcuffs. And we see Mori, uh, Dende's father, you know, sweating it out. One of the Namekian soldiers breaks from his bonds and tries to attack the, the metal guards, but he's quickly smacked down. And before he's killed by a blast, Gohan pops out of nowhere and just slams, uh, slams the energy blast down. This movie's getting off to a very very fast start. So the Z Fighters arrive and tell the, the robot guards to go away. Uh, this planet's under their protection. And right away, we're introduced to the big bad, if, as if the, uh, the English title didn't give it away. We see Cooler alive again. Although he looks decidedly different this time. He's uh, decked out in a, a shiny new met metallic uh, sheeny body. And um, he's in his first form, not the awesome Shredder form <laughs> from the last movie. But um, he's back. And while he and Goku kind of stare it off, we see Gohan, Piccolo, and Krillin try to take on the, ro the robotic guards. And some uh, comedic bits from uh, Yajirobe, Oolong, and, and Roshi as well. So while... Piccolo, Gohan, and Krillin fight the guards. They have a bit of trouble, but eventually Piccolo says to concentrate all their energy onto one specific point and just punch right through them. And eventually, like their their metallic shells are burst. So while that happens, uh, and they're they're eventually taken down. Although Piccolo does manage to take out, I think, pretty much all of them with one gigantic energy blast. So while that happens, uh, Cooler and Goku begin their fight. Uh, Cooler has proven to be stronger than Goku expected because of his new metallic body. And even the Super KO Cannon can't really do much against him. Cooler at one point shoots his um, gigantic uh, energy finger beam at Goku. But Goku does dodge at the last second through the help of the instant transmission. And um, he says, hey, that was awesome, right? I, I can teleport. And Cooler says, well, yeah, so can I. That's one of my favorite moves. What? <laughs> and then he, he proceeds to, to beat him up. But at one point, Goku uh, uh, blocks an attack and turns into a Super Saiyan. So then the, the fight turns into round two. As a Super Saiyan, Goku actually manages to, to hold off uh, Cooler a lot easier than he did before. And just shoots right through him and bursting off one of his arms. So uh, Goku thinks he has the upper hand there. But Cooler can regenerate one of his arms by having uh, the big Getty Star, as he explains, sort of rebuild his own um, his own body. And we've explained at this point that like the big Getty Star is the big evil cybernetic ship that enveloped uh, Planet Namek. And the Big Yeti Star is in mental, mental connection with Cooler, as both he and him are the Star and Cooler are basically one being. And whatever happens to uh, Cooler, the Big Yeti Star will regenerate and make even stronger. So if he loses an arm, that arm will be even more powerful. So after Goku says, "Oh crap," <laughs> Cooler grabs him by the throat and like basically tries to pull off his trachea, really kicking his ass. But before Goku dies. Vegeta shows up out of nowhere, hooray, and you know, kicks him off and says, no Saiyan blood will be spilled today, and turns into a Super Saiyan himself. So Vegeta is into the fight, and although he doesn't do really much, he does provide some support for Goku. 
Goku saves his life, and um, while Vegeta gets annoyed at that, Cooler basically has the upper hand, and you see this gigantic nuclear explosion. After a scene with Piccolo trying to infiltrate the big Getty star, we see Goku and Vegeta just utterly exhausted. We cut to them, and Goku has his, his orange shirt blown off, and um, Goku says, we can take him if we team, team up together. And Vegeta says, just stay out of my way. So the two charge at Cooler and go right through him again. B- before he has a chance to regenerate, they just blast out his body and make sure that there's nothing left to, re- to be uh, reconstructed. So they kind of pass out. They're, they're utterly exhausted, but they've vanquished Cooler and the day is saved. Or not. Because uh, over a cliff, we see Cooler again walk over and show that he's perfectly fine. He's in perfect health. And then we see another Cooler. And another Cooler. And another cooler. And then we see like <laughs> hundreds upon thousands of coolers just standing there. You know, perfectly fine and uh, totally powerful. So uh, Goku, and, Goku and Vegeta like kind of put them, dust themselves off, get on their feet, and try one last desperate effort to power up and fight along the side, uh, fight against these coolers. The next thing we see is them like strung up, you know, in this sort of like blank, weird cybernetic space. And they're kind of held up by these wires. And we see, like, the actual real form of Cooler. These are all copies, I suppose. Uh, the actual, like, like blood and tissue form of Cooler is being held together by bits and pieces of cybernetic technology. And we see his, his, a bit of his head and, like, one eye uh, intact. And he, and he reveals that, like, the Big Giddy Star has sort of been using Planet Nemec to uh, give him and it strength. And with the two Super Saiyan bodies, it will give him even more strength. And Vegeta's like... What? And then he's immediately zapped, and all of his energy is like kind of grabbed by the Big Yeti Star. It's actually really nasty. <laughs> Both he and uh, Goku are just completely drained of their energy, and they look kind of brain dead. Vegeta's actually drooling. So, um, Cooler twists his mustache and says, Ha ha ha! Well, that's the end of those two. But then they put forth even more energy and start to overload the Big Yeti Star and all of Cooler's, um, Cooler's metal coolers, as we still now call him. So, uh, we cut to, like, the other characters. Uh, Yajirobe's about to get cut in half before the robot ceases to, ceases to function because the Big Eddie Star is getting overloaded with power. Piccolo catches up with them, and they all run towards the, uh, the area where Goku and Vegeta are. Goku tells them that he's going to blow the place, blow the place up, and they need to get out before he and Vegeta can finish it. Cooler turns into this gigantic, wiry, robot, cyber- cybernetic metal thing. And makes one last claim at Goku's life. Goku says, I know what will happen. Not a Kamehameha. Not a spirit bomb. But one small energy blast. That'll do the trick. And he throws it at the heart of Cooler. As Vegeta wakes up as well. Vegeta throws a, a blast of his own before he passes out. And there's this gigantic explosion. And um, the heroes are thinking, how could they have possibly survived? But they do. Goku and Vegeta fly from the sky and just smack into the ground. Um, after a Senzu beam, everyone's alright. Vegeta has done, pulled a Batman and just completely disappeared. And the last shot that we see is him flying away in his own sane space pod, looking at a small chip of cooler and crushing it in his own hands. The end. The day is saved for now. So, before I give my thoughts, I'd like to hear uh, from Jesse and then Daniel what they thought of uh, DBZ Movie 6, The Return of Cooler. So, uh, it, the floor is yours, boys. Daniel, do you want to go first? Uh, no, you go ahead. Okay, I uh, I really enjoyed it. I like Cooler as a villain, and I thought this 
film, uh, his his plan here was better than Frieza's overall. Like he just he just came off more intimidating, mm-hmm. and I kind of like the the twist with the big Getty star. In essence, this this basically being a replica of Cooler in the first place. Because first we get that the the metal body is only the outer shell, and then we kind of get that the entire thing just took his memories and his actions, and is really isn't his biological form at all, hardly. It's just kind of remnant DNA. Mm-hmm. And I I really enjoyed seeing Vegeta in a movie. Yeah. And seeing him just pop up literally out of nowhere and saying no Saiyan blood will, will be spilt this day, which I just loved. And mm. seeing them fight together, really, for one of the first times, fight as a team, was uh, was pretty awesome. It was the first time we see Goku and Vegeta fight alongside each other as uh, as pals, I suppose. Not pals, but you know, fighting together, teaming up. Uh, I am kind of... There is some... Like you were saying, there's some kind of discrepancies with the timeline, really. And particularly Vegeta's attitude to Goku here is kind of different than what it is in some of the later films. But, a little bit, yeah. Um, also, well, yeah, like you were saying, why the hell is Oolong here? It makes no sense. We're saying that a lot in these movies, in this episode. <laughs> like, it, even Yajirobe and Machiroshi, yes. Like, of all, the, of all the auxiliary characters to include, you want to include these guys? What were we saying, Daniel? But, okay. Uh, no, I was just going to say, it's pretty sad that, you know, Oolong and uh, Master Roshi are in more movies than... You know, Yamcha or TN. <laughs> it's true. Like, uh, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. All right. Um. Okay. Well, Daniel, what, what did you think about uh, the Return of Cooler? I overall? actually was a little disappointed in the movie. I mean, it's it's not bad, but it, to me, it came off very just average Dragon Ball Z movie. And I don't know. I I think I just saw a lot more of the potential squandered. It, it kind of just falls apart for me after you see the army of a thousand coolers there and you don't get a fight you just cut and then we get a big monster fight at the end five minutes later yeah so to me it was just kind of i I see a lot more uh, of the potential in it that was squandered and it just kind of i don't know takes the grade down for me otherwise it's you know it's it's a good movie and i know um I don't know if it's still the case, but this is a very popular movie. I know for you know a while before it was even officially dubbed over and brought to the U.S., it was in a lot of people's top five, if not top three, of the movies. So, and I kind of have to disagree. It's 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 not really bad in by any means, but it's just very average to me. Okay. Um, I'm trying to remember, but yeah, I do remember when you, when you bring that up, that, like, there was, people did really, it's hard, it's hard to think of, like, the fan base then and the fan base now, it's just, they're two separate things, but when we, I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, for my bit, um, <laughs> I used to like this movie a lot more than I do now, uh, I must admit. I, I again, when you bring up that, that fan base, I really did like this movie. Um, this is one of those things, again, I, 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 I might be repeating myself later on, but I saw this in Japanese before this, this was dubbed, and it blew my mind. I forget how old I was, but um, I really love seeing Goku and Vegeta fight Metal Cooler. I really like the whole cybernetic angle. I still like the cybernetic angle. Watching it again, um, I remember last time Jesse and I sat down to talk about the movies, and the Cooler movies particularly. I remember, I remember saying that like that movie felt very kind of half and half to me because half of it I didn't like and half I did like and here it's like 
I think the first more the first half of the movie is really kind of like pedestrian, and I really don't enjoy it. But like to me, it doesn't get going until Goku becomes a Super Saiyan, and at that point, I really I do enjoy it. But I do think that like by that time, a lot of the movies has passed to where I'm not as interested. And I think that like it feels very very st- almost too straightforward. There's not a lot of like. I'm I'm not really interested in the movie until that happens, like until Vegeta shows up, and then until the whole cooler reveal with his head. I like that a lot. I like the second half a lot, but the I actually counted that like this movie is 45 minutes, and the first 25 minutes are just you know straightforward fight action, and at the 25 minute mark is when uh, Goku turns Super Saiyan and starts fighting cooler. At that point, more than half of the movie has passed, and um, I kind of dig it that from then on, but. It feels it almost feels a little bit too little, too late. But we can get a, a bit more into it as we go on ahead. But um, I can I, agree with that approach. Yeah, um, I guess I guess I'll start off. I, I I thought that the movie kind of started off a bit too. I don't know, like you know, here's here's the, here's the, here are the foes, here are the good guys, everybody fight, and it's abrupt. A, a, a little too quickly, I suppose. I mean, there's it's sort of like kind of laid out for you, and I guess you don't want the subterfuge of uh, you know, I don't know another picnic scene but it, it feels kind of weird I, i'm not sure I, I know i don't like it but it feels like for one thing i'm not really invested in seeing the z fighters fight robots because you know that robots are just meant there in an action anime to be destroyed so it's just a matter of time watching them to be destroyed so i wasn't really invested in that that part of the battle it's also kind of inconsistent i thought because you see the 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 Getty Star, which I always mix up and want to call it the Ghetto Star, <laughs> but but you see it like it looks like it's basically eating the planet, but we have enough time for you know the heroes to travel there by spaceship, and then when they get there, it just looks like a giant spaceship has landed there. It, mm-hmm. It's just inconsistent because it seems like this it's this really ominous galactic threat, and then it's really just another space invasion. Yeah, it kind of has this big symbiotic parasite, parasitic look to it, and it, I do like the idea of the Big Getty Star. I think it's actually a really cool concept, and I think that like when Cooler kind of explains later on, that's actually a pretty threatening uh, adversary for them to go up against. It is a bit unclear though. Like like at first, uh, they have the, they're enslaving the Namekians. I guess I guess they explain later on that they kind of want to chop them to bits and use them for oil, which science but <laughs> whatever but that little robot who explains that is hilarious i do like that thing yeah it's like you know oh, don't worry we're gonna chop it up into bits <laughs> that was that was pretty cool um let's see what else whatever, whatever you guys want to have you just just, just kind of jump into it i'm just looking over my notes real quick well uh i will say you guys kind of hinted at it but right at the start continuity is just out the window with this one because you have you already have dende as the guardian of earth Yet there's no trunks, and Gohan has never become Super Saiyan. Yeah, yeah. Um, not only that, but like um, it's interesting, and I've not corresponded the the episodes with the movies yet. I did have I have friends who like uh, did like a watch through of the series a few years ago, and they actually did look at the date, the release dates of the movies, and um, and at one point, I asked uh, one of my friends who's never seen the show before. This is before, this is this is a non Jesse. I was like, oh, what, "What did you think about um, now that you finished the cells? Like, what did you think about Dende being the Guardian?" And he said, "Well, we we're, were kind of spoiled with that with movie six because this actually this actually airs before the anime showed uh, Dende coming back to Earth and be, being the Guardian. 
So that was a bit weird. Um, maybe it happened in the manga by, the, by that point. That's the only reason I can imagine why it could, because I'm not sure why the movie would assume that Kami just goes away. But yeah, I mean, and again, like you can't, except for like maybe, uh, we'll get into movie nine, but like you can't really try to place a lot of these movies in continuity because it is so screwy. But that is that is that is a questionable thing. Um, it's clearly meant to take place after people have seen Vegeta go Super Saiyan because that's not treated as a surprise. Bit odd. Um, did you did you guys think there was any sort of like the 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 recurring theme of the Namekians being taken over? Did you think that was a bit redundant, or did you think that was you know a fine idea for a plot that new Namek is being uh, under siege and the Z Fighters got to handle him as well? What do you think about that aspect? It kinda treaded uh, similar ground, but. At the same time, we hadn't seen the Namekians in a while, mm-hmm. so I didn't mind it. I did like the very beginning with the Dende, with Mr. Popo basically giving Dende permission to ask Goku, and that you could tell that he didn't want to, that he kind of felt already indebted to him. Mm-hmm. So he was kind of reluctant to ask him to do, you know, to do that again. I kind of liked that. That played into his humbleness to an extent. I forgot about that. That's, that, that was a nice touch. Um, and I, I don't mind. I don't mind the fact that that uh, Namek gets foobarred again. <laughs> I, I think it's an interesting recurring theme that like these guys can't handle their own problems. But I'm, I, that's not one of my cons for the movie. To be honest, I don't, I don't really have a problem with that as a setting. I really think the action is very, very good. Halfway through the movie, I think the first bits with Krillin, Gohan, Piccolo, and even Goku versus Cooler are really, really kind of like uh, run of the mill. I think I don't really, I can't really get involved in them. See, I, I think that's actually the, the standout more for me and what I think makes this movie as popular as it is is because, y- yeah, they're kind of standard, but they're very well animated and they they stand out, especially if you think back to the, you know, the times that this was really popular and, you know, you didn't see the animation and the fighting quite at this level yet. Yeah, I, I see what you mean. Like, it, it looked really good. It was fun to watch. I gotcha. What, what did you think about the Piccolo, Krillin, Gohan stuff, Jesse? I enjoyed it. I like Piccolo saving Gohan again, and I liked his intro once again. Yeah, Piccolo and Vegeta both have great intros in this film, right? As they usually do. That, that'll be a recurring theme. <laughs> there, 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 there was the ones with the most dramatic. Like the only time Krillin had, had a dramatic intro was in Dead Zone, but like since then, he's just like you know showing up, got his ass kicked, you know, and went away. But Piccolo and Vegeta, yeah, they always like make their Batman entrances. And Vegeta Batman disappears in this one. Yeah, which I, and they also have a they also have a recurring bat or recurring Vegeta uh, Piccolo in scene in these films too, which uh, we'll get on to later. Yeah, I don't, but, I don't uh, know if, if Toy Animation was like shipping the two of them to do or, or whatever. But it was so weird. Oh, oh no no the, the, this is Goku Vegeta shipping all the way. <laughs> I kind of see that. Uh, a bit. Well, that, well, we can get into that. Like, uh, this is the first um, time. Um, I say the first time, so it's, it's a recurring thing. It, it, we we do see this later on in other movies and a bit in the in the series. But this is the first time that Goku and Vegeta, you know, the 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 rivals of DBZ, team up to fight an enemy, which I I really like. I I do like how it's presented, and I like it because it's not like you know, I've got your back, man. It's it's like Vegeta doesn't really like the idea of it, but they kind of just have to do that, otherwise or else they'll die. So I, I thought that was actually, I think this is this might be the first time in the series history where they did that. I, I'm thinking because I'm, I don't think at the time that um, obviously it comes before certain movies. So I, I can't think of any other time this would have popped up in Toriyama's scripts. One thing I thought that was actually kind of 
I, I say that like I didn't like the earlier parts of the fight. I didn't really like the Goku cooler fight. But once again, once he turned Super Saiyan, I really, really enjoyed that. I like how it just you kind of like cut to him being Super Saiyan, then you cut to some other characters, and then you, and then you cut back to Goku, and like it's just it's on, and they're fighting, and then he um, bursts through his arm. I like that shot where Cooler throws him on the ground, and Goku kind of charges a Kamehameha and fires at Cooler, and it, and again, just like the last movie, it does absolutely nothing, and then like uh, he starts. Uh, firing a finger shot at Goku, like that. The way that the the, um, the fight was kind of storyboarded there, I really, I really enjoyed. I thought the action was actually really kind of interesting to watch. And like Android Android nineteen, Vegeta kind of saves him from a you know being strangled or garroted or uh, choked to death. Which is you know, there's always this sort of like serious tie-in in terms of visualizations. But that part I liked. I, re- I really enjoyed that. This is one of those movies where like, if I see a fight on YouTube and kind of you know take time out of my quote-unquote busy schedule to watch a clip of i tend to watch this a lot um i think i think it works a lot out of context but uh i wasn't really digging like the story i suppose um what were you guys thinking about that that bit of the action i enjoyed it um daniel what what, what was your opinion on it uh i like i um yeah i liked it uh i actually liked uh before he goes super saiyan that we see goku using the ko ken a bit which we haven't seen in a while and that was nice but at the same time, and this is another recurring theme in all of these movies, is it takes it's a lot of padding before you get to them going Super Saiyan. And yeah. You just kind of like, why are you dragging your feet? Just just go Super Saiyan already and get this fight going. I would absolutely agree with you. That like that's probably that's the we're gonna talk about that next movie. <laughs> um, it, it does feel like like, like Goku's just kind of playing with himself until he decides. All right, I might as well just wrap this up and become Super Saiyan. Because that, by that time, I don't know. It, it looked like it did look like. Um, well, it, it sounds like you 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 said that you liked that bit better than like the later bits. Um, I thought that like it, the the fight was at least animated a bit quicker when he became Super Saiyan. Um, so that may be a difference of like um, I, I don't know fight text between Goku as a Super Saiyan, Goku is not a Super Saiyan. I did like I did like the moment where Cooler says that he has the instant transformation technique as well. <laughs> that that bit was pretty awesome. I thought. I thought that scene where they were kind of transporting around, fighting was animated very well. Yeah, you actually get to see what it looks like. I guess the idea or the idea of what it looks like when they do that technique. Mm-hmm. They're kind of running around like a Ralph Bashki background. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I, I, it's really trippy. I like that. I really liked when um. Vegeta is saved. By, Vegeta is saved from you know having his his face blasted off, and I don't know if you can see them, but we see Goku save Vegeta by doing instant transmission, which just pisses him off. <laughs> that bit I like. One bit I really like from the Japanese version is uh, which is which is probably why this used to be one of my favorite movies is that um, when Goku like tackles uh, Cooler and Vegeta set, Vegeta sees them, he yells. Bastard! Big Bang Attack! And I, uh, as a kid, you just love the idea of the characters swearing. So I really, really like when um, he tries to shoot both of them, and they both disappear at the same time. I thought that was kind of cool. Um, what did you, What did you guys think? Here's here's the thing. What did you guys think about like the uh, the sci-fi elements in this movie? Because this is I think this is the biggest like sort of sci-fi kind of flick we've seen since uh, World Strongest, maybe. Especially at the end when um, we see the, the big spaceship and Goku and Vegeta getting sucked up like a vacuum. How, how did you take to that? Uh, someone I really had, liked it. Oh, I, I liked it. Uh, I liked Go it ahead. too. Someone had really 
watched a lot of 2001 or Star Wars when you see the scene of Piccolo going through the ship. Because I just got that vibe when he's flying around there. It just looked like that kind of sci-fi. It's like kind of like Ben Kenobi walking around the spaceship before he beats Darth Vader. Yeah. What were you going to say, Jesse? <laughs> uh, I really liked it. Um, I'm a big sci-fi fan, so seeing more of that play in um, was really cool. And it kind of kind of works with Cooler already being a sci-fi villain or a space villain. Right. So uh, it, I think it could have probably been elaborated on or explained a little better. Mm-hmm. I could see how it could be construed as confusing. But yeah, the idea that he was a replicated life form and that he he basically came back by chance was was pretty cool. That he, he basically lucked out. I enjoyed it. Yeah, because it's like like the last time we saw him, like, weren't you like you know flying at the speed of light towards the sun? <laughs> it's like oh, I'm all better now. I was gonna bring this up a bit. Um, one thing that I uh, hadn't thought about until I saw this movie. And it kind of rubbed me the wrong way, and I'll kind of get into it later on, and then we can talk about the other movies. I don't say rubbed me the wrong way, but I kind of like changed my position on it. Uh, the idea of like the fact that Goku just Goku and Pals just show up, you know, like like superheroes, and says, you know, leave the Namekians alone. I kind of this is this is something that they actually kind of discussed on Konzenshu when they're talking about the Battle of Gods uh, in terms of like Goku's personality. And they kind of made it, they made the point that like in the movies he's a bit he's played as a bit more of a of a uh, tough guy superhero save the day superhero than he actually is in the series. And when I listened to that, I was like, oh, that's, that's an interesting kind of like observation. But here, I really do see that in this in this uh, movie because he, he just shows up. I mean, uh, you know, at Dende's beck and call to like help help these guys. And I'm not saying like that's that's out of character or that's not what the character would do. But it's a definite take on Goku, which I don't think exactly demonstrates what am I trying to say um, it's a bit more straightforward than I think the character is usually depicted to be as um, in the series at least what, what, what do you think about that see him kind of in his everyday life before so that would kind of elaborate that he's this isn't what he does he doesn't just walk around looking for people to help it's 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 very Superman of him to sh- kind of show up and say you know well, I'll, I'll help you and again, I'm not I'm not saying like, you know like, like this is they're getting the character wrong or whatever but it it is I do think it is a definite interpretation of Goku which isn't the strictest uh, version of him. What do you think about that? Like do you do you know what I'm saying? Do you know what I'm trying to say? Like it's not he's not, he's not as um, super heroic in this movie all the time is what I'm kind of trying to get across. It is only I'll, I'll say that it's only one facet of him. Mm-hmm. Like it comes off as only one. It, it doesn't account for a whole lot, and it, I think it could give a wrong impression of what who the character is. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I, I think it's just the contrivance of the movie stories how they set it up because basically, I mean, you oh, sorry phone call at that, <laughs> but uh, that they uh, the movies are basically set up to be just a, a simple adventure of this fight so you don't have I mean even when they get movies that show a bit of Goku doing something else he's being called on to save the day and here he's being called on to save the day so it, it's basically just how the story has to go and yeah it doesn't really represent what we see Goku in the regular Dragon Ball Z story because that's really just his life going on and this is mm-hmm. him being called into action. 
basically. It's a lot like, uh, I think it's, it's also a take on, because, I mean, we were talking about, like, toy animation doing this movie, but also, like, in terms of, like, the fan base, again, the Western Dragon Ball Z, like, like the Toonami uh, era take on Goku, like, the whole, it's like when um, he first became a Super Saiyan, and there's that line that he's, like, the, the hope of the universe, ally the good nightmare to you, kind of Goku, who's de- who, who declares himself as, like, you know, the protector of everybody who needs help and is weak and everything like that. Take on the character is a. I think that that, that is a more of a Western take on the character, where like uh, American fans kind of see him as that kind of role, and he really he does provide that role in the story. But it is partly, like you said, Daniel, a, necess, a, necess, a necess, necess, necessitation of the story's needs, and also sort of like a misinterpretation of like the character's actual personality. Because like in the manga. There's no real, there's no real moment where like he he kind of just decides to patrol the the world or whatever he you know he he kind of just does whatever the hell he wants until shit, shit happens and uh, you need um you need him to uh, get involved in the plot and again I, I, it's interesting I, I I'm kind of hoping to talk this out because I don't want to make it seem like this is a bad take on the character but I do think it is it is a decidedly different take on the character than than other movies or other points in the series might. Uh, um, present as um, whatever. Is there any, any other things you guys have about this movie? Any other notes you want to bring up? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, I, th- it, I think overall, uh, I liked it. It was fun. Uh, it it was smaller in scale, I guess, because you know, we don't see the characters interacting with uh, anyone. They just kind of pop up and save the day. Um, even Oolong, uh, for some Somehow. reason. <laughs> so yeah I enjoyed it but yeah it does seem smaller and I think that kind of negates the film a little bit it doesn't seem as high scale, like a larger scale also the fact that Earth's not being attacked kind of plays into that yeah, it's only the Namekians who cares about them <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's just... <laughs> you might as well have a planet full of young just... uh, what about you Daniel do you have any other notes you want to talk about uh, I think uh, I think we covered most of them but just a few um, the, I just wanted to I hope that that train doesn't show up on the recording. <laughs> no, you're, you're, I don't even hear it. You're good. Okay. Uh, the first time I saw this was actually, uh, this goes back to a discussion you guys had with one of your callers on the last episode. Uh, the first time I saw it was that big green dub. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, th- this is before it was released officially and I just wanted to see it and I didn't I always thought it was a fan dub. I didn't even know this was like an official thing from another country or whatever you guys were talking about last Indonesia time. Indonesia or something. But uh yeah, and just two two parts of it that always stuck with me from that dub was uh when they're on the spaceship going to Namek, you get a the and you see uh Piccolo there. There's just this really really horrible line reading where piccolo is just you know often thought and just go my people in the most raspy horrible voice ever <laughs> his voice was excellent excellent and, excellent voice and um the other one being that at the end when they're uh held by uh cooler getting their energy drained and they decide to fight back by giving him the energy which uh another note i had was uh just uh, way to go, Cooler, telling them how to defeat you. Because he basically just expels out, you know, well, it's a good thing you didn't have any more energy or else I would be dead. <laughs> They'll just turn around and walk away. But uh, in that uh, in that other dub, when uh, they, you know, 
power up and you know feed him more power they actually shout out i think it's goku you hear yelling out you know maximum power oh you know, you're forcing me to put these clips in the in the in the episode which i, I know, I'll, that's my plan i'll <laughs> gladly do because <laughs> it's awesome um yeah uh, well uh, kind of like you know i don't want to come off as like this movie sucked i don't think this movie sucked. i do think this movie is a bit lesser than other movies in the past uh I do really like that last the, that last bit though with them in the ship and them tied up or on the, uh, hooked to those wires. That shot of Goku like uh, when the giant uh, cooler attacks Goku and ties him up in the wires. There's a shot where like the wires squeeze him so much that like blood sprays from his body. I was like, oh, that's nasty. There, there's a violent moment for you, Alex. <laughs> like I thought that was actually really cool. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like there was a shot where like uh, you see Goku's face and you hear Shemel or Nawaza yell. And like his 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 skin just starts getting ripped across by those by those cords. Um, I thought that was pretty cool. And I, I thought I thought the animation was actually really nice um, when Goku and Vegeta were like passed out and and then they uh, were attacking the giant thing again. But um, overall, you know, I mean, I, I do enjoy this movie, but I don't enjoy it as much as I think that overall as a as a movie as a, as a, altogether it doesn't hang it doesn't hang as tight as I thought it used to. But I do enjoy it. I, I ultimately, ultimately did, I do enjoy this movie, um, and I have a soft spot for it because I saw it when I was younger. It just doesn't it doesn't rank as highly as it, as it does with against other movies uh, nowadays. But um, so well, speaking of ranking, do, do, do we want to score this? I know we usually score it on a Dragon Ball scale in terms of like our movie specials. Do you want to? Do, do we have a grades? Do we have grades for these out of seven Dragon Balls? Hmm. I would say I'd say a four. Okay. Yeah, I'd agree a four. That's about average, but I give it a little more props just for the uh, sci-fi angle, which I enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Four. It's it's always weird uh, ranking a, a thing out of out of an odd number of, of uh, Dragon Balls. I'll give it a three and a half because I do think that like as much as I really enjoyed the second half, it is like more more than half of the movie is gone by that time. It gets good for me. So that's it's, but it's it's still I still rank this positively. I I do like this movie. I'm not going to say anything bad about it. Um, <laughs> which might change with the next movie. Just just to preamble that. Uh, no, Goku. Uh, now I can't believe that the great Goku is catching an ass woman from those boys. If he can't even handle the Indians, why bring out the heat? You're an android too? Oh man, how many of you did Dr. Jiro create? Well, not that it's any of your business, city boy, but the good doctor met his end some time ago. We were created by Dr. Giroux's computer. Now his computer's trying to kill me? That's right. This particular computer has been programmed to think that it is Dr. Giroux. It's down there scheming and planning, trying to realize its number one ambition, which is to see you dead. <sighs> I know, I know, we should all just let bygones be bygones, but that ain't the way it's gonna be. I was programmed to kill your ass, and that's exactly what I'm gonna do. You hear? You're just a slave, a pawn with no free will of its own, is that it? Free will. Pitiful humans. 
War, segregation, hatred. Is that what you've done with your free will, boy? Don't you lecture me with your $30 haircut. Goku dies. We'll see you, Red Ribbon Redneck. And getting into the next movie, the next movie is uh, Super Android 13, or basically The Three Super Saiyans. Ooh. Um, this movie shall be given a synopsis by our guest, Mr. Yarbrough. So whenever you're ready, sir, feel free to just uh, get us started with movie seven. All right. Okay. Uh, the movie begins with yet another retelling of the death of Dr. Jarreau at the hands of Android 17. Uh, this version is a little gorier as we follow the pools of blood from the doctor's android corpse down into the lower levels of the lab where his supercomputer is busy working away and we see three capsules like the ones that held Android 17 and 18. Uh, these three capsules show the numbers 15, 14, and 13. Hmm. Cue opening music. <laughs> uh, we then cut to sometime later in a city uh, inside of a huge shopping mall building complex where Oolong, Masaroshi, Krillin, and for some unexplained reason, Future Trunks are all waiting in line to see a beauty pageant. Oolong and Roshi, of course, are there to oogle the lovely ladies, while Krillin has the much more serious agenda of trying to find a, trying to find himself a hot wife. And Trunks is there because. Yeah, but who knows why? Because they don't explain it. Exactly. Uh, meanwhile, Goku and Gohan are watching Chi-Chi put all of her years of martial arts training to the ultimate test as she battles hordes of other women fighting on sales, sales for clothing. Uh, Goku and Gohan are impressed by her shopping prowess, while I'm just impressed a store can do that kind of business outside <laughs> of Black Friday. We're just coming up in a few weeks. <laughs> but while all of this is going on, trouble is brewing down on the streets. Two figures march down the street and proceed to calmly walk straight through anything in their way, be it people, automobiles, or buildings. Uh, one of the figures is a big, super muscular man looking like a stereotypical Hun warrior with long braided black hair and uh, large belt straps over his shirtless chest and very pale skin. Mm. The, the other one I can only describe as a black midget with bluish purple skin, uh, <laughs> big sunglasses, a bright yellow Whoa. suit with a matching giant yellow hat with a red puff ball on top, and a big red ribbon bow tie covering half of his torso. Jesus Christ. <laughs> continue. These two continue their march through the city, targeting the, sky the skyscraper our heroes are at. Meanwhile, Goku and his family have met up with the others at the restaurant level of the shopping building. There we learn that, sadly, there will be no beauty pageant in this movie, because they got the day wrong. As our heroes eat, the two figures make their way into the building to the level just below the restaurant. The two shoot up at shoot up an energy blast, blowing up the entire restaurant level of the building. Gohan flies his mother to safety as Goku, Krillin, and Trunks manage to save everyone else on that floor by flying out armfuls of people from the smoking ruin. Goku deposits his group on a nearby rooftop and goes back to check out the building. There, the two assailants spot Goku and chase after him. 
seeing the red ribbon symbols on their clothing and noticing that he can't sense energy from either of them, Goku realizes that these two are more androids sent to kill him. The two fight Goku and chase him throughout the city, ending with the big one slamming Goku into a wall and the little one throwing an energy blast at him. But Trunks, never one to, to not fight an android, arrives and blasts that blast out of the way. The two Saiyans start to fight the androids. But not wanting this movie to turn into Man of Steel, Trunks decides that they, <laughs> Trunks decides that they should uh, take the fight elsewhere. Nice. Goku and Trunks fly off with the androids speeding behind them. On the ground, Gohan wants to follow after them, but Krillin reminds him that the two of them are not powerful enough to have a chance against those androids. Gohan is determined to help anyway, but Chi-Chi forbids it, because he's got summer school tomorrow. Gohan asks his mother what's more important, his studies or Goku's life, and runs off after the others. Krillin says he agrees with Gohan's choice, and in a nice turnaround, Chi-Chi slaps the crap out of Krillin to make him move his own butt and go help. <laughs> At that moment, the annoying synthesized voice of Dr. Jiro from his computer awakens number 13 from his capsule. We then cut to Goku and Trunks luring the androids to a deserted location. No, not a desert wasteland. No, not a deserted island. This time, they take the bad guys to an arctic wasteland. There, the fight continues, and Goku and Trunks get tossed around by these two androids. Things are made worse when the third android makes his presence known. This third guy is Android 13, and he is a tall, muscled man wearing pants with suspenders, big red gloves, an open vest, and a red ribbon baseball cap over his long white hair. He had a he southern accent. <laughs> yeah, he basically looks like a big, muscled, redneck trucker, and the dub sure picks up on that and runs it into the ground. <laughs> uh, we, we, we shall get into it. Yeah. Uh, the other two androids start fighting Trunks as Goku faces off with 13. Gohan and Krillin watch from the sideline, with Krillin holding Gohan back to wait for a chance that they can actually help and not just get in the way. Uh, the two Saiyans fight the androids, with the androids pretty much having the advantage the whole time. Thirteen manages to pin Goku to a giant glacier with a huge red energy ball, but a blast from out of nowhere knocks that ball up into the air, exploding it up in the sky. Then the ice wall behind Goku splits open, and up rising on the scene like a godly demon is none other than Vegeta making his entrance to the fight. Awesome. He spouts his usual line about not letting anyone else kill Goku, so he'll help fight. The little android, now named as Android 15, after sinking into the snow a bit, jets up and starts fighting Vegeta. The, fight, the fighting continues with the androids beating up on the Saiyans. Finally, Vegeta has enough of being kicked around and transforms into a Super Saiyan, followed by Trunks and then Goku. Jiro's computer tries to analyze and com compensate for the Super Saiyan power levels, and the fighting continues. Gohan finally tries to help out by shooting a blast at Android 13's back. This does little but annoy the android, who stops hitting Goku long enough to fire a blast down at Gohan. This blast is deflected by another energy blast coming up from the ground. Of course, Gohan and anyone who has seen a Dragon Ball Z movie before can tell that this is Piccolo here to save his little friend yet again. Like some kind of land shark, Piccolo plows through the snow-covered ground and leaps up at Android 13, grabbing him by the feet and swinging him around. V 
Vegeta and Android 15 clash head-to-head with Vegeta getting the Super Saiyan knocked out of him and little Android 15 getting his head knocked off and exploding. Trunks and Android 14 do a flying charge passing by each other, resulting in Trunks getting a cut on his forehead and Android 14 splitting in two and exploding. The heroes gang up on Android 13, but he summons to him a microchip and a power cylinder from each of the other androids, inserting the chips into his temples and the cylinders into his pecs. This somehow transforms Android 13 into... Well, into a blue version of the Hulk. Or as I like to call him, Akuma. <laughs> <laughs> he rips his vest, and his torso and shoulders become armored. His eyes turn yellow, and his hair spikes up like Vegeta's, but becomes bright orange. He is now Super Android 13, but I'm going to continue calling him Blue Hulk. Go right ahead. Vegeta attacks. Uh, Vegeta. <laughs> Vegeta attacks Blue Hulk, doing nothing. Trunks tries to help his father, but gets blasted away for his trouble. Vegeta continues to attack and does nothing but get knocked out into Krillin's crotch. Piccolo charges and gets blasted to the side. Goku Goku attacks, but does nothing but get punched in the crotch. Really hard. (laughs) Blue Hulk Hulk proceeds to keep beating on Goku, kicking him around and blasting him over and over again until he falls into the water. Krillin and Gohan finally try to jump in, but Krillin is easily knocked aside, leaving only Goku, uh, leaving only Gohan standing. In the water, Goku decides it's time to summon a spirit bomb and starts gathering energy from plants and animals and people, though none of them seem to understand or care that this is happening. Goku rises up from the water, forming the spirit bomb. Uh, Gohan takes a blast from the Blue Hulk to protect his father from... Uh, one by one, Vegeta, Trunks, and Piccolo attack, keeping keeping the bad guy distracted from Goku. Finally, Goku finishes the spirit bomb, but in a new twist, he transforms into a Super Saiyan and absorbs the spirit bomb, turning into a small sun. Goku comes down to Blue Hulk and punches him through the stomach, exploding him with his energy. Android 13 is destroyed, and the fe- feedback blows up Jiro's computer. Gohan wakes up and finds his dad sitting there smiling. We cut to the hospital where somehow Gohan and Krillin, the two who did the least fighting, are laid up in hospital beds. (laughs) While Goku just has bandages on his arms and Trunks comes out without a scratch. And we end our movie with Piccolo and Vegeta sitting on an iceberg, having apparently gotten amnesia since they seem to have forgotten they can just fly away. And instead are sitting there watching fish jump. The end. <laughs> very well done. Thank you very much. Um, Jesse, I'm interested to see what you think about this one. This is another... Uh, uh, we see more androids for some reason. Uh, what were you thinking about this? We also see more Master Roshi. Too much Master Roshi. We Master Roshi's Master Roshi's roles get bigger and bigger and next movie like they get as big as he does, but uh, indeed so. Uh, I like this one. I liked all the lead up. I had a good number of lead up with them at the mall. Um, it's just kind of like everybody, you know, in their everyday life. Just this is you know this is what Krillin does is he goes hunts for a future wife at a beauty pageant, and 
Yeah, like long and Masaroshi fantasize about these pageant participants. It's it was hilarious. It was creepy, but it was hilarious. <laughs> and poor Goku is seen being like a husband. He just seems completely awkward in this situation. I love that moment though. <laughs> just him carrying all the all the shopping bags. I like seeing Goku like in his martial arts uniform, which is which is his regular clothes, in like a middle of a civilian uh, occupied mall, as though those are normal clothes. You could almost tell like Goku gets attacked, and he's like, "Oh, thank you." <laughs> I can fight. Excellent. I uh I do wonder why Future Trunks is here. I don't know where I tried for like five minutes to kind of figure out where this would fall in the continuity, but then I just gave up. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> it's like okay, why would he be? Uh, I I don't I don't know. What what whatever. Yeah. But um, I'm, I'm less confused by his presence in the movie than why is he just waiting in line? Why why is he waiting in line for this beauty pageant with the others? Yeah, and he's like, Goku said this could be this would be less boring than shopping, and yeah, and as as the other three guys go off to look into the dressing room. Yeah, <laughs> well, there was there was a line that Ulan said like, Australia will never fail you. I'm like, oh my god, what am I watching? <laughs> but go ahead, go ahead. Oh, and um, yeah, we do get more androids, which at this point kind of come off like afterthoughts. Their designs, while each were unique. Uh, none were all that appealing. None were all that uh, standoutish. Right. The the, uh, the the redneck android sixteen or uh, thirteen just was kind of like, wh- wh- where did this come from? And I guess I guess Jero started on these prior to starting on sixteen through eighteen. Uh, who knows? <laughs> I try and I feel they're mentioned uh, in the manga like like. Uh... Android recap, like like they actually are mentioned. Like Jiro worked on th- thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, but he destroyed them. Well, here he didn't. So maybe. Although although because they're, they're so like you know obedient to kill Goku, why did he just jump into the fray with them in the Android saga as opposed to you know nineteen who sucked and seventeen, eighteen who turned on him? But what what are you gonna do? Yeah, I'm. I, the movie makes it seem as if these are supposed to be more powerful. Or they kind of imply that with with the setup that you know, oh no, more androids attack us. But even the characters call them like scrap metal, and Piccolo just kind of mentions that they they don't seem as good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really get the impression that this is just like a last ditch effort by Jiro. Right. Like an afterthought. Like he spent all this time on Android 13, and all you get is a guy in a trucker hat. <laughs> a southern accent doesn't actually make a character, guys. So it's like, <laughs> whatever. Uh, but you said you said overall you liked the movie. Yeah, overall it was fun. Um, I didn't like it as much as the prior movie, um, okay. but I, I did like this had more build up. This had characters interacting with each other. Uh, I enjoyed that aspect. Yeah, I even enjoyed um, Krillin in this for, for the most part. He uh, he had some nice moments with Chi-Chi, and he he kind of sort of rescued uh, Vegeta or saved him from like a heavier blow. You know, showed him with his body <laughs> with his crotch. Yeah, yeah, being more precise with his crotch. As best he can. Um, Daniel, what'd you think? Uh, I actually really liked this one more than I remembered it. I think I just, I had a lot of fun with the androids. I don't know, I just, even though they are kind of bland, and when Super 13 appears, the movie goes downhill, because that is just the worst-looking design ever. Uh, it just looks really? hideous. I, I think so, <laughs> at least. But uh, before that, actually, you know, I, 
I loved Android 15, the little the little midget. He just cracked me up every time he appeared. I, I wanted to see more of him. And uh, and he had a weird accent also. Yeah, I, I think he was trying to be stereotypical black accent. If well, that's he thing. also had like, like a flask that he yeah. would drink every time. I was wondering if he was a bending unit, because apparently he needed alcohol to keep fueling himself. Nice. Awesome. That'd be, that'd be, that, I was wondering if like if like he would I don't know why I have this image of like him drinking and then like you know spitting out fire but what are you gonna do? Yeah. I, I, it is it is confusing though uh, the numbering because you would think that he would be the lesser one that he would be you know number thirteen and it would build up to the super android but instead it goes in reverse for some reason it goes you know fifteen fourteen and then thirteen's the big threat. Yeah, like they built thirteen first, and then like, and then fourteen, whatever, and then like, now my latest invention, Android fifteen, this black guy in the sh- in the shades with this gigantic bow tie. Uh, go ahead, keep on going. Uh, uh, no, uh, but uh, I think just because, but because of that and the beginning, that does I really enjoyed seeing the characters at this, you know, in the city setting. And even the the fight in the Arctic was it was a nice little change because we haven't used an Arctic background too much, so it was a nice. Yeah, change when they base. landed in the Arctic, I was very surprised. I was like, "Oh, awesome! That's something different." Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and because of that, I really enjoyed it. I mean, it wasn't a great movie; it still definitely has some flaws, but I I enjoyed it more than the last one. And uh, I don't know, it, it gave me a higher opinion of it than I had the last time I watched it. Okie dokie. Um. I like this one less than the last one. <laughs> uh, this is—it's interesting because I remember going to the, la- the 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 when I first watched movie six for this for the, for the podcast. I was like, I remember really liking it, but I don't remember what happens in the first half. And then I said, well, not, not much happens in the first half. This one, I I, I didn't I didn't really I never really formed an opinion on this movie before, uh, but seeing it now. Um, I really don't like this. <laughs> there are there are amusing bits here and there, but I think this is like one of the laziest uh, stories for a movie, or you know, or, or movies that they've put out uh, up to this point. I remember Jesse asked me like if I think that anything gets worse than uh, movie four, and I, th- I I would much rather watch movie four than this personally. I I really I really thought this was like this is this made the fights I thought kind of boring. I feel free to disagree with me, guys. I don't want to turn this into an argument, but like, I thought that like, again, you kind of have like the the battle really start up immediately, where Goku sees fourteen and fifteen, and then they start fast fighting in the air, and then they fight the Arctic uh, and fight some more. Um, Daniel mentioned it a little earlier ago. They really dragged their ass to become Super Saiyans, and I do remember like before this movie was dubbed, it seems as though the the, the selling point in movie seven was the fact that you had three Super Saiyans in one fight. And I guess you kind of had to be there for that to for that to be something to care about because at this point I was really like okay, uh, I don't know it, that's, that that doesn't really endear me to be interested in a fight obviously and obviously like I mean we just come off the cell games where there are four super saiyans, three super saiyans and one super saiyan two so that's that that might be a difference of perspective but um I don't know but this one felt really really lazy to me this felt just like they really just like uh let's just throw answers at, at them which is not a bad idea. There are more androids, absolutely, but um, I, 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 don't, I don't think the fights are all that great. Um, I actually do enjoy um, some of the bits with Super Android 13 later on, uh, 
But um, it kind of gets into it kind of gets into a trope which um, a lot of the DBC movies have, where the bad guy doesn't get, get doesn't get defeated until like, the last like two minutes of the movie with one hit, and I thought that, that was a bit yeah. cheap. Like, like they did that with Turles, and uh, yeah, and here, and then, like, and then we'll get into that later on. It's like like the last second, they're, oh, they're in trouble now. Okay, the movie's over. And um, I don't know. I I didn't. I also didn't really like how they use a lot of the characters. Um, this is the first movie we see with the Trunks, and I, I did like how he took out Android fourteen. I thought that was badass and awesome. But um, I don't know. I I wasn't crazy about how Vegeta was used. He was kind of a joke. <laughs> um, and I think that like the dub does kind of like uh salvage a bit of interest in this movie. Like they kind of they gave more personality to Android fifteen than I think he had in the Japanese version. And some of the characters, some of the lines, especially like the fish line at the end, um, were kind of added in by Funimation to make this a bit more palatable. But overall, no, this this is this is not one of my favorite movies, and um, uh, we can get into a bit uh, why it is, or maybe I'm, I'm I mean maybe I'm mistaken, but uh, those those are my general thoughts on movie seven. <laughs> Where to go from here? Um, I did enjoy, you know, I, I always enjoy seeing the characters. Uh, you kind of chill out and not really be worried about fighting. I always like seeing Goku with his family, even though Chi Chi's like always yelling at him in every movie. Um, I, I think I may have enjoyed it a bit more elsewhere. I don't know why Chunks is there, like Daniel said. I really don't. Like, uh, and that was another thing I, I didn't really like. The fact that, like, we have more androids, and Chunks never seemed to have a big reaction to them. He flipped the, he flipped the hell out when he saw Android 16, and the other androids in, in the story, but in this one, he's like, oh no, they're androids. Okay, I'll fight them. He doesn't like, spaz out like he used he usually well, does does he say that he's already defeated the android in his time does he say that here or maybe that's the next movie it bleh. i think yeah okay i think that's the next movie it might be I'm, i really i really don't remember um, I don't at some point in one of these is established that he's defeated the androids and came back that, oh that's movie. i know the last one it's mentioned yeah uh, i know the last one they mentioned that but i don't know i don't remember if it was one of the other ones Boy, well, it makes sense, that. but well, I mean, this is an also like the, like the timeline thing. Um, you have the three Super Saiyans, Gohan, still Gohan. So this takes place before. I would imagine. Oh, I mean, this obviously takes place after Zero is killed because we actually see it. Um, I, I actually have a theory about the just. It's just a fan theory thing, but I, I had a thought about that um, of almost putting it in continuity. Is that I think this. I, I was thinking this trunks may be the trunks that Cell killed and took the time machine from. Oh my God, we're about to that again. <laughs> okay, go, go, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, I mean it was just something I was thinking about because this is obviously this in this story's universe, they mm. managed to defeat the androids, but there was no Cell and Gohan never went Super Saiyan or Super Saiyan two, but. Trunks had come back and warned them about the androids, so that—that's okay. my theory. Is you know this is that Trunks, oh, excuse me, <clears throat> that went back and warned them, and they managed to defeat the androids. He went back into his time after this and defeated his androids, and then got killed by Cell and had his time machine stolen, and then that leads to the Dragon Ball Z we know of. I would, I would absolutely be down for that because the uh, the timelines do invite more realities for these characters kind of pop up, uh, which I guess would put this in canon <laughs> in some way or another. Yeah. See, I assumed that this was um, before cell attack or uh, before the cell games. 
It is. But he's, he, he's saying that, like, um, this provides... This provides, uh, like, like you know, because the cell that, that are in the, that's in the cell games, the cell that, like, you know, our characters fight, isn't the cell from their reality. And, and Daniel said that, like, this, this, is, this takes place in, in another reality, possibly where that cell comes from. Because cell, the cell that Gohan kills, the cell, that's, the cell that we know, comes from a different timeline that's not Future Trunks' timeline or our regular timeline, because he's fully grown. It's kind of messed up. But no, I, 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 that, that's an interesting theory. I, I, I like that, actually, a bit. Um... Well, they, I do like at the very beginning when they kind of reanimate uh, seventeen soccer balling Jiro's head across the room. I've always there used to be a a, 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 a an anime website that showed like anime gifts, and there was a, a gif of him just kicking the head off. I was like, oh my god, that's awesome! When does that take place? And um, I, I like it a lot better than they actually show in the series. Like it's it's like this one quick motion, and like you said, a big glob of blood just kind of oozes from the body. Um, it's it's really it's really effective. See what else though. Uh, I did. What did you guys think of the androids? Uh, fourteen, fifteen, and thirteen. I mean, you may have touched on them a little, bit, a little bit more, but like, what from where all we get out of them? Like, did you enjoy them as villains? Did you enjoy them as additions to the androids? What were your thoughts? I didn't enjoy them all that much. I thought, yeah, they were kind of derivative, and they just they didn't really come off like too much of a threat. Because at this point, we've seen them all, seen the Z fighters already take out androids. They got androids who seemed stronger and who they were more scared of. It the it didn't even seem like they were that. Uh, the characters themselves were all that worried about. It. Like right. the stakes never seemed that high from these guys. They really do kind of come off as like uh, overextended henchmen. At least fourteen and fifteen do. And yeah, like I think fourteen and fifteen are given a bit more in the dub, but like overall, like they're not really given way much of an introduction or abilities or special techniques or anything. What about you? What do you think, Daniel? Uh. I'll agree, though. I, uh, I'll agree with the, the reasons you guys are saying of not liking them, but at the same time, I still kind of enjoyed them, probably because of the dubbing giving them a little more personality, especially compared to some of the other villains of the movies. Yeah. And and also, um, uh, just uh, if you look closely enough, there are like subtle like connective things that I noticed between the different androids, like uh, when. Uh, 15 gets uh, when Vegeta goes Super Saiyan and like blows his hat off and starts blowing his face apart. You almost see a slight resemblance to what would become Androids uh, 19 and 20 with his little like chrome head and stuff. Right. Uh, yeah. Like like the little like the brain head thing. I did and, notice that. And, and even though it's probably unintentional, uh, having the same voice actor do the dub of 13 that did. Android 17 almost makes that like a connection there like they use the same robotic voice box or something just <laughs> just with a southern accent. I didn't actually, I did not notice that. That's um oh, I forgot the guy's name. But um huh, I don't know if that was 17's voice actor. Yeah. The... But, but yeah, just uh little things like that. It just I I enjoy them but at the same time I totally agree with the reasons they suck. <laughs> well, I mean, there were there were some choice lines that that came from um, uh, this movie. Like, where he, he talks to chunks about his thirty dollar haircut. <laughs> I thought that was a pretty good line. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. And then he, he fires back like something, something, something. You red ribbon, redneck. Which again, like that's that's all the dub. That's not really like um. I don't know if this if um, uh, the Japanese version gave Andrew thirteen instead of the next. I know they didn't. One thing that I really didn't like seeing was uh. Thirteen being the big bad, absolutely. That's that's kind of cool. The way he absorbed like the little 
bits and pieces of, of, of the android's, like, science. Like, oh, they just, they just flow up and melt into his brain. I, uh, I, I don't know why I don't like that. It reminded me of, like, it kind of reminded me of Cell a little bit. And, like, you know, I just need these parts of these androids and I'll become my perfect form. It's like, what what situation was Dorel expecting where this had to happen? <laughs> like, where, in case future, in case future androids are destroyed, the first android, 13, will absorb them and, you know, and be, it's like, what? <laughs> it, That's some backward I, design logic there. Yeah, it's, it's like, I, I'm not, I, I, they obviously didn't, think, they didn't expect, you know, some guy to think about that but like it doesn't make a lot of sense to me you know and there's a lot of things in dragon ball z that like you know demands a lack of of contemplation but that point whatever time i see that point i'm like no 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 <laughs> it just it really it really feels like it's, just, it's being yanked out of someone's ass and then this happens and then he punches book in the balls and then he breaks vegeta's back bane style <laughs> and then piccolo does nothing i don't know what else do you guys have on this uh, I like. Uh, uh, I, oh, sorry. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. I oh, know. It's just I really liked uh, when the uh, fifteen and uh, fourteen blow up the restaurant. The way that Goku and Trunks and Krillin save everybody. I just. Yes. I like the uh, the visual of them just holding an armfuls of people just in the air. That was very nice. Yeah, I, I agree. It's always fun to see the Z fighters actually re- interact with humanity by being in a crowded area. I'll, I'll give you that. I liked that uh, as soon as they get attacked, Goku gives orders. He basically says, Krillin, get out of here. Trunks, save those people or get those people out of here. Yeah. Uh, it, it shows that for all his faults, he is a good person and uh, a good fighter and a, like a good tactician to an extent. Mm-hmm. And that he knows and, what needs to be done. He's a leader. There's a reason they all look to him. And he, he figures out that those are androids fighting him really quick. You know, it's... It actually is one of those in, in showing his intelligence and not just plot contrivance. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, besides like the gigantic red ribbon bow tie that Fifteen has, um, he does ascertain. Okay, you're androids. That's why I can't sense your energy. Um, no, yeah, I'll, I'll agree with that. And also, I like I like seeing Trunks and Goku fight together. To be honest, um, ever since like they first met, when we first see, meet Trunks and he kind of tests his power and stuff, I really like it in here and in the next movie, like seeing Trunks and Goku kind of team up and fight alongside each other because they kind of like, I don't know what it is. It's not really ever like deliberated on in the series or the movies, but seeing those two characters fight together, I, I actually really enjoy. So that's something that, and they kind of like, like uh, went off into their own opponents, but that was kind of fun to see for what it was. I could kind of see that how Trunks would project the relationship he wants with his father onto Goku. Or ah, even at least like the teammate that he would want. You know, he, he Goku's very appreciative of his help and he, he recognizes how strong he is and he he's an asset to Goku as a teammate. And those are all feelings I, could, I think that Trunks would want from his father. That he doesn't get. Because Vegeta's a dick. Yeah. <laughs> No, I, I don't know why that didn't, that didn't hit me before. That that's actually a good point. I, yeah. I like that a lot. Well, oh, one thing I really didn't like. Uh, this is a, this is another continuity thing. But one of the androids says that they know who Trunks is, which is like a direct like uh, disconnection from the series where they like or Jiro had he had no clue who Trunks was. So I don't know why that really bothered me. Like, and how would he know who Trunks is exactly? Because like I I never know if like they spied on when he was explaining who he was. 
But uh, yeah, that well, it's it's his computer. It's Jiro's computer that's feeding him the info. And if you, uh, I guess, assume that the computer's been running all this time and still has the little spy cameras, then you know it could have seen when Trunks first came and gotten all that info, and just fed it into you know the androids. I suppose. No, it's, it's, I suppose it's not a, a thing that that uh, restricts an explanation. <laughs> Um, I don't know why it, it it does feel like something like maybe I'm just used to the idea that the androids don't generally know who Trunks is that I wasn't looking for a reason why they could possibly. I would have liked to have seen more of the Jero computer. Uh huh. Granted, it could have. Uh, yeah, I guess it could have been very similar to what we saw in the world's world strongest. Uh, yeah, like with um uh Doctor Willow, like a little bit more of an uh sentient kind of being. Yeah, but uh, I thought it was a cool idea that was kind of wasted. Like, the computer never interacted with anyone, and it was shown to be, like, the harbinger of these, and kind of what caused the problem, and it's shown in about three scenes, and there's no real resolution with it, besides it's just blown up due to feedback. It seemed kind of weak. And also seems to, like, actually respond to things as, as the fight's going on. Like, you actually hear it, like, you know, data inputted or whatever. Like, it actually started talking. So it, it did show a, a signs of a character that we didn't see. And wasn't the bit that like well we destroyed Doctor Roach's lab. Well, there was another part of the lab that we that you didn't destroy. <laughs> it's almost like writing the cliche in itself. Yes, but there was a second door that you missed. <laughs> it's like okay, whatever. He's 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 planned, I suppose. Um, had a good contractor for that thing. That's for sure. He really did, he really did like a secret cave lair that like no one knows about, even though they keep on blowing it up. Um, what did you guys think about uh? What, here's the question. What do you think about Vegeta in this movie? Um, in, in the last movie, he's had a bit more concentration, but here he's like kind of acting like a, like a Z fighter, and you know he's there for I guess basically just a fight. But like, because I I'm not a fan of Vegeta in this movie because I feel that like he really doesn't add to much. I thought he's got, he got kind of bitched out in the last movie, but at least we saw some character bits from him that we could enjoy. Where here it's like I thought he kind of was like uh, they kind of took the piss from him a bit uh, too much. What did you guys think? I agree with that. I do think that he's kind of wasted, he, even though he does have an awesome entrance. Yeah, the, the entrance is great. It cracked me up. <laughs> it is awesome and funny. I agree. No, yeah, I, I just, I don't yeah, know. Other than that, I think he's wasted. Yeah. It, Piccolo, Piccolo even more so. Piccolo just kind of comes because he needs to be there, which I don't know if you know he needs to be there, but, you know, he's, he's a Z fighter, so why not? I, uh, I did like Piccolo his, Piccolo uh... had a great entrance just due to the lines. He's yeah. like, Piccolo! I'm like that really? Piccolo just said, "What's up?" And he's spinning one of the androids around. <laughs> I'm just in the neighborhood. Just pl- plows through the snow just out of nowhere. Yeah, that's one of those things. Where it's like, at no point did they actually comment on uh, the weather. But you know, I suppose fighting is going to keep your uh, blood temperature up. Whatever, it doesn't. It doesn't really matter. Any verbal reactions besides the possible visceral one you guys had to seeing Goku get a solid punch to the dick, <laughs> right in, right in the nuts. Right, the, like that, and you hear you hear Shimmel like scream really loudly. So, uh, that 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 is that I do find that funny. Uh, what did you guys think? I just wanted to I want to know the direction I gave him in the booth. Like, okay, <laughs> Sean, you just got punched. You could get punched in the nuts. It probably took a few seconds. Like, all right, I can visualize it. I can feel it. Just, like, Ugh, that that should be one of the most violent moments. Yeah, I, yeah, I think it is. I, it, it, oof. Go ahead, Donald, Daniel. 
Uh, so, uh, I mean, it's not just you know hit in the in the junk. It's he you know thirteen lifts him up and hammers down and throws him to the ground with that punch. He drops the hammer. <laughs> yeah, he he pulls his leg apart and like you see how big his fist is. Oh, <laughs> uh, that was. That was that was that was that was entertaining. I kind of wish there was, because we don't see Goku like like. Besides, well, he immediately powers down. He's not a Super Saiyan anymore, so like, there goes his strength. But like, he, we, don't, we don't see him like you know grab his nuts and like no. <laughs> he should have no strength to draw from a spirit bomb. What is you? That's another thing. Okay, the uh, the I, I, this is this is my own personal name for it. The Solar Spirit Bomb. Um, I guess it's not even the Solar Spirit Bomb, but, but like uh. Like, the way he absorbed the spirit bomb as a Super Saiyan. Um, again, it's not strictly, like, you know, well-defined, but I th- I see that, and I'm, and I'm like, no, he can't do that. <laughs> I don't know, what was your, what was your response to that, Kim? Is it, it's, I think it's a clever attack to absorb the energy of the spirit bomb to pop your own Super Saiyan energy. But I always thought that, like, I don't know. Isn't it supposed to, like, you can't be evil or you can't have evil energy if to, to touch the spirit bomb? For some reason, I have a hard time accepting that as as a thing that you can do. Yeah, it came out of nowhere. Uh, at first, I was like, "Oh, yeah, another spirit bomb, great." And then it's like, "Okay, <laughs> he's gonna do something different." And I'm like, "Um, okay, I guess he could do that. Yeah, like that should be hurting him, but whatever." Yeah, it's an interesting uh, twist on you know the usual attack, but it is it doesn't make any bit of logical sense, and it <laughs> it looks really freaky when they show that close up of his face when he's doing it. Is like you see his gums and everything. Oh yeah, we used to Super Saiyan. Yeah, and his eyes are like actually glowing. Yeah, it's like whoa, that's actually pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, I had a similar reaction to this ending as I did to uh, one of the later films. Yeah, <laughs> we might be seeing a lot of deja vu later on. Um, oh, I, I did kind of, I did actually kind of like when. Um, he was so powerful that like thirteen could actually could not get near him, and like he started breaking apart when he just missed punching him. Like he he missed punching him, and then like just being next to him started to make his hand disintegrate. That was actually that was actually pretty impressive in terms of power. And again, I think it's a clever move, but like I I didn't think that like he could do that. Like either he would blow blow apart or whatever. But again, it's a movie. We cannot take these things all that seriously. Um. It- yeah, it works for a movie attack and a movie ending, but you wouldn't want to see it anywhere else or for it to become a a regular thing. Yeah, exactly. It, it doesn't... It's like, you know, okay, that was cool, now let's never speak of it again. <laughs> um, yeah, those are those are basically mine. If you guys have any more, uh, feel free to uh, say it, but like those are really my thoughts. I just... I wasn't really digging on the characters. I wasn't really digging on the androids. Um, I did not like Krillin and Gohan in this. I thought that Krillin said, oh, we can't stand it. You don't stand a chance. I was like, well, well, how come? I don't know. They don't seem all that all that impressive. So, I just, uh, this was this had this had one this had a few fun moments to watch. But overall, this is this isn't one of my favorite movies to be honest. But what what else do you guys have? I agree. Um, it wasn't overall a bad movie, but it, w- it wasn't one of my favorites. Um, and it's definitely over. Uh, it's forgettable. Yeah, and I, I probably wouldn't rewatch it. Yeah, I think that's a good word for it. It is, it is forgettable. Like you know, androids attack, Z fighters fight them, cut to credits. Like it's, it, there's not, there's no real, uh, like you know, at least with the last movie, you know, cooler attacks, new Namek, Goku friends fight him, and then there's a bit of a twist. At least there's a bit of a story development. Whereas this one's like you know a gigantic forty minute fight scene <laughs> that like at the end of the day they don't really need to talk about again. <laughs> 
But uh, what about you, Daniel? Do you have anything else for this? Um, well, I did want to uh, just ask you guys, what did you think of uh, 13's super form? Because I hated it. I thought that that's real, that is what actually drug the movie down to me was just not so much the fighting with that form, but just the look of it really just I couldn't take it seriously. And it just <laughs> it, it was a blue Hulk. He <laughs> it just looked ridiculous and really kind of bland, actually. I I see what you're saying. I kind of like the reason why I like it is that I think the the, the uh, spiky red hair and the blue skin and the yellow eyes actually make for an interesting visual for me personally. But it doesn't look strictly like something you would find in Dragon Ball Z. It does look like this. This movie felt to me like like a like a toss off, like a, a um, I don't know uh, Street Fighter movie or a um, SNK movie from the '90s. It feels very much of its time in a bad way. It, to me, it, to me because. Um, like the fights are just really, really just you know fighting for fighting's sake, and Super Thirteen as as you know him absorbing and becoming Super Thirteen, I don't like how they went about that aspect. The design itself I don't mind, but um I I, I do see how that might be annoying to look at. Uh, I just said that I thought the design was very derivative, um and like you said it did it did felt of its time and not in a good way. 90. Yeah, it just there, there was nothing overly unique about the design. Yeah. I'm looking at it right now, and it's like, why does he have shoulder pads and the, you know, why is his chest gray and everything else is blue? Like, th- that doesn't, why? <laughs> How come? It, it, it doesn't fit as an evolution of him combining powers with the other ones, or even him himself transforming, because he looks completely different from any of the other three. Yeah, I, it's, it's yeah. The blue doesn't make any sense. Uh, the hair really doesn't either. Yeah, he's like, he's like, oh, is he a Super Saiyan because his hair is spiky? Derp, derp, derp. I don't know. Like, why the hell? Is... You know what it is? It's like they wrote an opponent for them as opposed to an android. It's like, we just need somebody for them to fight in the last five minutes. Let, let, let's just make a design and let's call it an android later on, maybe. You know, it, it, it feels just very, very, like, derivative. Not, not even delivered derivative. It's just, it just feels like, you know, run-of-the-mill, lazy, no, no thing to, nothing to really say here, folks, kind of. Fighting. I could see them having this design like backstock somewhere, and it's like, all right, we need a, a bigger form. Well, we got this design here. He's blue, with spiky hair. Yeah, yeah, we'll use that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like in the era of '90s where you had like you know guys like John like Liefeld with, with cable guns and shoulder pads and everything. It's like this is like this is like this is him for like you know anime. I mean, even number fourteen had like a, a belt across his chest and a shoulder pad for no for no damn reason. <laughs> it's like yeah, he had like a bandolier. <laughs> it doesn't make any, like, like any you know, and I'm not, we've had characters on the show before that like wear questionable clothing certainly in the movies but um especially movie two but um this really kind of feels like you know, the 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 people on this movie felt said whatever more than once in developing it yeah um but, but daniel you said you enjoyed this movie so i don't want to just dog it and like how oh, yeah, not, uh, not defend it no it's okay um the uh one other note I had, uh, just a interesting fact I wanted to share, because uh, as you kind of alluded to, when it, I know when it was released in Japan, the big draw was the three Super Saiyans, right? And so much so that uh, I know Bandai released it into theaters. I think they sold them, or they sold them at theaters, a box set of the their three Super Saiyan figures of Goku, Vegeta, and Trunks, like repainted with gold hair. It was like a box that you could get exclusively at theaters in Japan when this came out. 
Wait, but like, were they like, like figures of them as Super Saiyans, or like, did they just paint their hair gold? It, it, it was it was their regular Super Saiyan figures, just instead of the yellow that they usually would have, they painted it gold. Oh, okay, okay, that's kind of cool. Yeah, it's just a neat little fact I thought I'd share. And they do show a lot of these movies, and in, in, back in, back then they did show these in like, like like anime festival theaters. Is how they premiered alongside other television series movies like um, Detective Conan and other stuff. But yeah, I I like the movie, but I I won't disagree with any of the criticism you guys gave it. I to me, I think it just I I enjoy it because it basically just boiled down the entire Android saga into just one movie. <laughs> And it basically, if you took away all the nuance and, you know, depth of the Android saga, that's this movie. And that's it in a nutshell. I gotcha, yeah. It's it's basically like, you know, like, like Dr. Zero is mad at Goku still. <laughs> and sticks these, these robots on him. So, I, th- I, th- I think it kind of does the saga a disservice because I really like that saga. And it's a bit more intricate than this movie might pre- pre- present. But that also has to do with, like, the fact that the Androids were characters, and they had different personalities and stuff. Like 16, 17, and 18 all had different motivations. Whereas these are basically just, you know, Android 19 times 3. So, it might come down to that. But, you know, teach his own. What would we score this out of 7 Dragon Balls? Uh, uh, Jesse, Jesse, you go first. 2. 2. Ooh, 2. Oh, okay. okay. Ouch. Uh, I, would actually, <laughs> I would actually give it a 5. I liked it more than the last one. It's, it's, it's still average, but it's just... I, to me, the androids, what little personality they had as villains elevated it up to, you know, a, a little above average to, for me. Mm, okay. Um, I would not give it as high as a five. Um, a two is pretty low. <laughs> um, you know, I'm going to go, I don't like doing this because, well, it's my, hell, it's my show. Who cares? But, um, I'll give it a 2.5 because I'm not, I'm not a fan of this movie. There are just some aspects that would kind of keep me... I, again, I, this is not a movie I want to see again a, a lot. There's not a lot, a lot of uh, great moments besides, you know, Goku's nut punch. And I do like kind of seeing Vegeta get beat up later on, but, like, I don't know. Oh, well, th- this does have, you know, like, again, I'll probably put in the show. Um, uh, at the very end, when um, Piccolo and Vegeta are sitting on the iceberg and says, Is it over? Not until the fish jumps. And it's, pop. Okay, now it's over. That was pretty funny. And I do remember, like, when this was released uh, on DVDs, that was a big, like, talk on the, on the, online about, you know, did you see what they did there? <laughs> so that was kind of cute, but um, that wasn't enough to give it more than a 2.5 out of 7 for me, unfortunately. Like, this is... This eh, is not one of my favorites, unfortunately. But I think um, 2 is the lowest rating I've given something. I'm pretty sure it is. I don't think that, like, any of the other ones rate, rate that low. I don't think you've maybe given a 3, but, like... Out of seven, two is pretty. Two is definitely like on the on the on the weaker side, for sure. And that's where we'll cut it off there for the end of part one of movie special number three. I I pretty much predicted that this would be a uh, a longer episode and a longer movie review because we're going over four movies. We kind of ended up adding more and more movies to the rotation. And I don't think we're going to be doing that. It's not like we're going to be covering the rest of the movies next time we cover the movie specials. Although, actually, we probably will be. <laughs> but that was, that's not how it was originally intended. Nevertheless, um, I kind of enjoy splitting episodes in half just because I think it, it, it serves as a good way for us to cover certain things at once and also for there to be more content for you guys to listen to. Um, I want to apologize a little bit for the small delay in getting this episode out. Um, 
you know, life happens. If you listen to a number of podcasts, every now and then there may be a delay in certain episodes. It's just life. Um, like one of our emailers said, it may have been Dan or Reginald or James. I forget exactly who, but uh, like uh, whoever the emailer was that said they're working two jobs. I'm, I am currently working two jobs as well. And it's not, it's not you know, killing me, but it is a uh, responsibility that I have to keep on. Um, it, kind of, it kind of forces the schedule to be at a certain time. Uh, Jesse as well has been, uh, changing, moving, he's been moving, uh, to different living areas. So it's been a bit of a hassle trying to get these scheduled. Not to say that this will, this will keep happening because, you know, life happens. That's just one instance, but, uh, you'll notice, especially in part two near our, the end of our review of the, uh, uh, Bojack Unbound fl- film that I kind of, I may have hurried the, uh, the the ending of the recording just a bit much because I was actually running late to work. And um, as much as I enjoy podcasting, uh, I do pay for this, and I can't pay if I have no money. I can't have no. I don't have any money if I have no job, essentially. So that's just the uh, just kind of giving you guys the explanation because it's been over a month since episode 23 came out. Hopefully, this will satiate you because this is a very lengthy part one of two. Uh, part two is a bit shorter, but it still has uh, what I what I think is actually very good discussion on probably the legendary Super Saiyan and Bojack Unbound. I think that we uh we did some really really good podcasting right there. And again, I want to thank Daniel Yarbrough for uh, coming on and reviewing this with us because he did a terrific job. I mean, he's absolutely as as good of a uh, uh, an expert on Dragon Ball Z as his uh, emails might um, present. So before I cut to the end tag, uh, I do want to address Luke's emails because in terms of recording the uh, reviews, we actually ended up forgetting to I actually ended up forgetting to send the emails to Jesse and Daniel to respond because he had emails responding to each of the movies. So for this episode, I'll, I'll read out his first two and I'll be sure to come in and read out his last two in part two. So uh, for Return of Cooler, Luke writes, Hey, me again. Need to say that I thoroughly enjoyed the Colin show. Please do one again sometime. My plan is to send you four Z-mails, one for Return of Cooler and my other random thoughts, one for Super Android 13, one for Brawly Legendary Super Saiyan, and finally one for Bojack Unbound. So this email is obviously the first one I am writing about half hour after finishing the Return of Cooler for the first time. In fact, before finding your podcast, I've only seen Cooler's Revenge, Super Android 13, Dead Zone, Bojack Unbound, Brawly Second Coming, and a little bit of Movie 13. Unless I'm forgetting something that was all of the DBZ movies I had, I had seen. On to my thoughts on the Return of Cooler. First, I have to say that the movie starts out great, but around the time Cooler shows up, it starts going downhill. Well, so it kind of agrees with uh, Daniel. First of all, Frieza at least had part of his body still intact, but Cooler has, has just much, Cooler has about as much of an excuse to come back as Garlic Jr. They were both brought back by a star. How the heck did Vegeta get a Saiyan pod? What I gather from the movie, Cooler is as invisible as Cellar Boo, only every time he regenerates he gets stronger. And Piccolo came off totally awesome. Who agrees? Although I do personally love the moment after Gohan and Piccolo took out the robot minions. Krillin's like, if they can do it, why can't I? And promptly gets smacked in the face. I remember thinking, why can't that be Yamcha? Personally, I'll give it three out of four. Uh, 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 no, no. Three out of seven Dragon Balls. That's all I can think of now. Peace. So it's loose thoughts on, and it's grading on uh, Return of Cooler. Now for Super Android 13. First off, I thought Krillin Trunks destroyed Jiro's computer. Also, the first scene is pretty creepy. Also, the scene with the androids on the escalator is weird. I mean, nobody is really reacting to a tiny purple guy with a huge green hat or big buff gray skinned guy with a braided ponytail. And I saw that Chunks broke his sword on Android 18. 
How could Goku tell that it was an energy blast that blew up the top of the skyscraper? And I think he can sense energy blasts, even if they're not from normal people. I like the fight in the city with Goku. It was just like the last fight in the history of Trunks. And as much as I love Android's 15 line, Who Blasted My Blast? I love his dub voice. He is one of the finalists in the Luke's Favorite Androids contest with 15, 17, and 18. Although I do like 14's design. Gohan is awesome with the way he talks to Chi-Chi, and Piccolo is equally awesome, as is Trunks. Speaking of Trunks, he has one of the best lines in the entire film when he calls 13 a red ribbon redneck, as you would have heard by now. I also like 14's line, little boys shouldn't play with knives. And I also love how they all went Super Saiyan at the same time, like commence Operation Curbstop. <laughs> nice. I also love Krillin's racing stripe when he gets hit by the beam, and how 15 is like my neck hurts, then his head falls off, and 14 is like my gut hurts, and he splits into two pieces. And then 13 is like, they're dead. Huh, great. Now I will transform. Speaking of which, I really do not like 13's transformation. It just doesn't look good. And it's funny when Goku, Goku is creating the spirit bomb, he's like, lend me your energy from sea to shining sea. I mentioned Trunks having great lines, and another one is when he gives his speech to 13 about not being in the future. Last but not least, I really like the scene just before the end credits where Piccolo says, is it over? Then Vegeta says, not till the fish jumps. Peace. Thank you very much, uh, Luke. Sorry for forgetting your email a little bit earlier. And um, keep on the lookout for the other emails to be read next time. Next time, obviously, we're going to cover <laughs> the Brawley movie and the Bojack movie. No surprise there. Um, and you'll hear in part two that I forget to uh, name check the uh, bits of the manga and anime episodes for uh, next month's episode. Uh, I will do so for part two because that, that'll be more relevant part two. But uh, that is uh, the preview, the fact that um, we will be recovering the Boo Saga in the month of December. So get ready for that. But I've talked on far too long. Here's the end credits. Here's the theme. And uh, until next time, thank you for listening to The Next Dimension, a Dragon Ball Z podcast. Thank you for listening to The Next Dimension, a Dragon Ball Z podcast. You can find the show and leave feedback at dbznextdimension.libson.com or write in for emails at dbcnextdimension at hotmail.com. If you like what we're doing, please send in feedback at iTunes or like us on Facebook. Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z, Dragon Ball GT, and Dragon Ball Kai are all owned by Funimation, Toy Animation, Fuji TV, and Akira Toriyama. Dragon Ball is created by Akira Toriyama. Fist jumps. It's over.